This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. What a lovely morning it is. In some respects, in other respects, it's horrible. I don't think I'll ever get used to getting up at this time of the day. Today was an effort. For others more than me, perhaps. But, but, but... You have one day off, then you've got to get back into the cycle of getting up at four o'clock, and this morning it was a struggle. But we're in, it's a lovely day, and there's lots on the show to talk about. As always, would like your opinions on it. Uh, Luton is in the newspapers today. Not for the best of reasons. There are photos in the Express and the Mail and others of police roaming Luton, carrying machine guns. This morning I'm asking, are you ashamed of Luton? People struggling with the bedroom tax are being encouraged to house swap. Have you tried to do that, to downsize, to save a few quid? And how have you found it? And apparently more of us are checking our emails and going online instead of relaxing in beds. I do that. I'll sit there with my iPhone, having a little look at Twitter, seeing what's happening. Well, this morning I want to ask, and and do bear in mind we have young ears listening, what do you get up to in bed? Steady, steady. Facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. You can send me a text, 81333, start your text 3CR. Or you can give me a phone call, is the best way to get in touch. 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, are you ashamed of Luton? The National Papers have pictures of the town this morning with police carrying machine guns. Uh, Shootings, gang, violence and ordinary decent people trying to reclaim their streets. Well, we had another example of the tragic consequences yesterday. A 22-year-old man started a life sentence for murdering a teenager who used to be his friend. Kyle Beckford was driving a stolen BMW when he deliberately knocked 19-year-old Delaney Brown off his bike. Delaney's death is just one of a number of recent gang-related crimes in the town, including the murder of his uncle, Paul Foster, in April. Well, our reporter Tony Fisher was in court yesterday. Tony, the judge had some strong things to say about the gang culture in Luton, didn't he? He did. He, he acknowledges the existence of uh, gang culture where street justice, he said, meted out where necessary. Drug dealing is rife, he said, and there's ready access to firearms and weapons. Uh, he said Carl Beckford wasn't being sentenced uh, for that gang culture, but he's being sentenced for murder, which had been motivated by that gang culture. And he said uh, he's satisfied that Carl Beckford was a leading member, if not the leader, of the Marsh Farm gang. Uh, and he said the real Carl Beckford was one who talks about his hood who makes people disappear uh, and he wasn't uh, it wasn't till the third day of this trial that he uh, admitted manslaughter um carl beckford was as i say a member of the marsh farm gang uh, delaney brown was a member of the lucy farm gang they grew up together they went to the same school they were friends uh, but as i say they fell into rival gangs and uh, for for various reasons carl beckford had a had a grudge against uh, delaney brown and uh, chose the prosecution say to hunt him down and uh, knock him off his bike in a stolen BMW which propelled him into a wall and more or less killed him uh, instantly. Um, The judge said that... uh on gun culture, on gun culture in Luton, he said, "Let this case be a, a, a send a message, basically, for those who co- commit crime associated with gang culture, that there will be no mercy shown by these courts." He talked about gang culture a lot in the court, the futility of gang culture. He said Luton was a prosperous, thriving town, plenty of employment opportunities, and there was no excuse, basically, uh, for people like Carl Beckford uh, to fall into gang culture. Uh, Uh, And uh, Delaney Brown Sr. had uh, this message, I believe, for the young people of Luton. We urge members of the community 
to work with the police and do not allow criminals to feel they can go around causing serious harm without facing <coughs> the consequences. There are community groups working in Luton with young people who need support from all forms of organisations. Please help them to help our young people. We need to come together to show our young people that we will not stand for lawlessness on the streets of Luton. Thank you, God. And it was only in April, wasn't it, that, that uh, Delaney's uncle was shot. D- what's the latest with that? Well, we know that two people have been arrested on suspicion of murder. They've been bailed. Um, but as was the case in the Carl Beckford case, uh, police still want people to come forward with information. Uh, in the Carl Beckford case, um, the judge praised the witnesses who did come forward, even his ex-girlfriend who's been given special protection measures. Um, and in the case of Paul Foster, they want people to do the same. They obviously feel they don't have enough evidence yet uh, to charge these two people. Um, and um, they, you know, that they, they are struggling. I mean, the, the police also praised the people who came forward as witnesses I, I, in the Carl Beckford case, and they basically said without those witnesses coming forward, um, there there wouldn't have been a case against Carl Beckford, mm. and he may never have ended up in jail. Um, Detective Superintendent Paul uh, uh, um, Jeff Hill, sorry, is the head of the major crime unit for Beds and Hearts, and he's in charge of the Paul Foster investigation. Well, we have uh, arrested two people who are currently out on bail, and um, we obviously won't be talking about the, uh, the detail of that because of the, the current uh, position with those individuals. Um, our investigation continues. We've got a large number of detectives working on that investigation at present. Um, we do have some people talking to us. Um, however, it is quite apparent that there are a number of people that could provide us with information that would be extremely useful to our investigation um, and also make statements which would be evidentially very beneficial that have changed chosen not to engage with us uh, and that's hugely disappointing and makes our inquiry all the more difficult to achieve a successful conclusion well and i'm, I'm looking at pictures now but page seven of the daily express there's a picture of two uh, policemen one's got a massive dog one's got um a machine gun it looks like another uh, weapon as well armed patrols are being stepped up in Luton. Uh, is more trouble expected uh, well, I asked the police that, uh, in, in particular Assistant Chief Constable Andrew Richer. He didn't exactly say it's expected, but he just says that they are prepared. Um, they've, they've more or less doubled their presence, armed police presence, on the west side of Luton, he says. Um, Eleven arrests have been made for firearms offences, and two weapons have been recovered. They're confident that they say they'll be able to charge uh, someone in relation to at least one of those uh, cases of weapons being recovered uh, but they said again uh, that they want more help from the from the public on this um and uh, this is what uh, he said, Assist- Assistant Chief Constable Beds Police Andrew Richer uh, says they do know who they're targeting uh, we believe that uh, a considerable percentage of the illegal discharges of firearms are associated with a core group of around 30 uh, offenders in two groups Uh, based in Marsh Farm and Lucy Farm. Um, And while the exact links between the different incidents are quite uh, complex, uh, we believe it's uh, that core of offenders that we need to focus on uh, to suppress uh, the current pattern of illegal discharges of firearms. Uh, Tony Fisher, thank you very much uh, indeed. 08459 455555. Well, this morning we're asking... 
Are you ashamed of Luton? The picture on uh, page, where is it? Page seven of the Express, I think it's in the mail as well, is incredible. There's a copper walking through Marsh Farm. He's got um, a Heckler and Koch G36 assault rifle that can fire 750 rounds a minute, a Basson gun, and a Glock 17 semi automatic pistol capable of firing 17 bullets. Can't be proud of that. Are you ashamed of Luton? Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, in April, the government introduced what's become widely known as the bedroom tax, as it tries to cut the welfare bill and make sure that council tenants are living in properties that are the right size for them. And as part of that move, councils are encouraging tenants to downsize and swap homes. Bedford Borough Council has already had what we could call a special day to get that moving, and yesterday, Luton Borough Council did the same. It's working with South Anglia Housing and the House Exchange Scheme after the number of people on its waiting list more than doubled since Christmas. Well, our reporter, Simon Watts, has been to meet the council's head of housing, Mo Harkin. We've been running a similar scheme for the last couple of years, but as a result of the bedroom tax that's recently come into effect, we've decided to alter the way we were running the assisted transfer programme so that we could attract more people to make the best use of our stock. Yeah, why have you decided to hold these events then in and around Luton? Obviously affordable housing is at a premium, it's a very scarce resource we want to make the best uh, use of that accommodation so people who are under-occupying who currently have spare bedrooms are looking to move because of the cost as a result of the changes in the benefit system they are looking to move to smaller, more affordable accommodation. At the same time, as we've got lots of families in overcrowded situations who are looking for houses currently occupying overcrowded flats. So bringing these two groups together will help us make the best use of our accommodation. You've held the event in Marsh Farm on Wednesday afternoon and evening. You're going to be holding other events such as this uh, across uh, Luton. So how can people... Uh, find out about it and, and when and where they're going to be? They will be advertised on the council website and there is a number for people to contact us um, which is the um, housing allocations team 01582 546646 so that's Luton 546646 um, and they will be able to advise people where the next event is or just to give them information about how to apply for this scheme. But are there many people actually wanting to move to smaller homes compared to those who are demanding larger homes for their families? There's a great deal of demand for affordable accommodation illusion. We have over 8,500 people on our waiting list at the moment wanting to move into smaller and larger accommodation. Obviously, the larger family size accommodation is in greater demand, mainly because that's the smallest amount of stock we have. We have less numbers of family accommodation than we have single accommodation. So there is a, a great deal of demand, and more so since the new bedroom tax ha- has are being implemented. We have seen a a significant increase since the beginning of April in people wanting to downsize. So from 100 uh, people on the downsize register, if you like, around Christmas, we're now looking at over 200 people. Well, that was our reporter, Simon Watts. Anita Seals from Stevenage has gone through a house exchange scheme already. She joins me now. Morning, Anita. Good morning. Anita, tell me about your circumstances. Um, basically, I was under-occupying. I, uh, one of my children left home, so I had a room free. And also, with the expense of the rent and everything, I decided to downsize to a two. And how did you go about doing that? Uh, I went on the Stevenage Borough website for exchanges, 
and it's quite simple and easy. Just browse the properties you think you like and then make an appointment to go and view them. And were there plenty to choose from, Anita? Because yeah. I have heard in the past <laughs> that, that, that there aren't enough properties to go round. Um, no, because there's a lot of big families out there that want larger properties, so I thought I really had the picking, to be honest. And why did you make the decision? Was it simply because you couldn't afford uh, the increase uh, that you'd have to pay, or was it because you felt generous and thought uh, another family would benefit? I did think another family would benefit. I, um, I'm, I just thought, oh, I've got an empty room sitting there, it just seems pointless. Plus the fact the rent would be cheaper on this and the council tax, so it was a win-win situation. So you made the decision to downsize. Does it annoy you that there are some people who choose not to downsize when, when perhaps they should? Well, yeah, because I know people that are on benefits that are in four-bedroom houses, and there's two of them. So it doesn't seem fair when there's so many. I've got a daughter myself that's got children that is always looking for a bigger property, so yes. Who did you uh, end up swapping homes with? I did actually swap homes with a lady on benefits that had two children. So she will be paying the room tax on my three-bedroom house. Apart from, I mean, we're lazily calling this the bedroom tax, it's a reduction in benefits, isn't it? But apart from, from uh, the increased costs, is there enough encouragement to get people to move into a property that's the right size for them? Well, I think so. Um, even with my parents on the scheme, they're in a two-bedroom house and they want to downsize to a flat. And the council will quite generously let us go and look around properties so that they can see um, what, what they're moving into. We're going to put them into sheltered accommodation. And the council has been really helpful and said, come and view some, let your parents see. So I think, yes, I think there's a lot of schemes out there at the moment now and a lot of help from the council. What would you say to those people who are living in properties that are too big for them? <laughs> Be fair. <laughs> so they've been in a position where they've had children before and struggled to move and find a, a house that accommodates them, you know. And also, you do reap the benefits, lower rent and lower cost in bills. And finally, Nisa, what was it easy to do? How, how long did the process take? Um, it took eight weeks. It should have taken six, but we both needed some work done in our house. But right. from start to finish, eight weeks, and we were in the property. And Anita, thank you very much. And are you happy where you are? Extremely. There you go, you see, that, that's the important thing. Anita Sills from Stevenage, gone through a house exchange scheme. If you want to find out more about the mutual exchange housing schemes, you can give the council a call, 01582 546 And we know there's a real problem with uh, suitable council housing. Uh, but the question I want to ask today is, should council tenants be forced to move out of houses that are too big for them? Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, 08459 455 555. We'll do that in a little bit. Let's do the papers first, because otherwise it's going to get a little bit uh, flustered. The Guardian, uh, Amazon faces new questions over tax bill. Uh, Guardian investigation shows key role of British-based stuff. I know it's naughty, Amazon, isn't it? But it's cheap. That's why we do it. it because it's so cheap. Let's be honest, we get all our stuff there. We, if they start paying more tax, then we're going to have to pay more money, aren't we? And there's a question as well on the front page of The Guardian. Of all the presenters, aged over 50, on British TV in 2013, how many of them are female? Uh, five, it would have... Is Nigel, Nigella Lawson 53? Really? I'm, so, I'm shocked and surprised by that. Uh, the Independent. Uh, Tory rebellion on EU uh, deals Cameron a hammer blow. Uh, the Daily Telegraph, Cameron threats to prosecute oil bosses. BP and Shell chiefs could face court if petrol price fixing allegations are true. The, the petrol companies fixing the prices so we pay more? No, I can't believe that. 
There was this thing as well that um, they're going to uh, get motorway service stations to put the prices of their rivals on there. No one buys petrol at a motorway service station, do they? At, at the very worst, I'll put a tenner in to keep me going, but I won't fill up my car at a motorway service station. That's just ridiculous. That's a f- only a fool would do that. And there's, um, there's a lady in a pink dress with an umbrella. I'm not quite sure what that is. Who that is? The, uh, the Times recovery is in sight, declares bank chief. King hails higher growth and lower inflation. Britain is finally heading into a sustained recovery five years after the financial crash. Well, we'll, we'll see that. We'll see, I believe that when it happens. The Daily Mail, new spectre of cloned babies. Scientists create embryos in lab that could grow to full term. And there's a picture of Nicole Kidman with a haircut. She's had a haircut. The Daily Express, soaring energy bills scandal, shocking 10% rise in prices to hit millions. And The Sun, premier star gang rape quiz. And then there's a picture of loads of um, nudie women on the front. What women really think of their bodies? Wowzers. Oh, wait, 459 455 with pictures of Luton in the press today and armed police wandering around. We're asking this morning, are you ashamed of Luton? And that's your latest news and sport. More from me at seven. Was the cricket man recording that in the toilet? I think he might have been. What was, what, what, what was he doing? He, he needs li- to sit in the cupboard with a load of coats. Mm. That's what I'd do. Uh, are you a fan of cricket, Catherine Boyle? Uh, it's on a lot. Right, and? It's the background to my life. I wouldn't say I was a fan. There we go. Thank you very much indeed. <laughs> Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Right, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, 08459 455555. Are you ashamed of Luton? There are photos in many of today's national papers of police carrying machine guns in Marsh Farm. And yesterday we saw the consequences of gang problems in the town. A 22-year-old man starting a life sentence for murdering a teenager. So, are you ashamed of Luton? 08459 455555. And as another of our local authorities has held a day encouraging uh, council tenants to swap or downsize their property, should council tenants be forced to move out of houses that are too big for them? Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, BP is so worried about the huge costs it's facing after the Deepwater Horizon disaster in the USA that it's asking our government to step in. Well, Malcolm Bracken is an oil analyst and stockbroker at Redmayne Bentley in Hitchin. Morning, Malcolm. Morning. Uh, Now, remind us of the background to this story. Right, the uh, BP was running a well that um, that blew up and pumped millions of barrels of oil into the Gulf of Mexico. This destroyed uh, fisheries and so forth, and um, in order to sort of head off endless decades-long lawsuits, they agreed to compensate the uh, compensate the businesses that are lost. Unfortunately, they, deci- they didn't specify that they needed to prove or uh, causality, i.e. was it the well spill that caused their problem. So there's been... Uh, uh, well, BP are alleging that businesses are profiteering from, from them, basically. right? They've written the, the state of Louisiana a blank cheque. So what are the costs? Is there a figure? Um, the, the initial provision that BP made was £40 billion, but that's... Uh, been blown out of the water they've already sold their most profitable division which is uh, their russian operations and um and that's not going to be enough 
So is BP concerned that they won't have the money to cover this blank cheque, or, or do they just think that everyone's having a laugh at their expense? Well, a bit of both. I mean, they, they, they said that the costs are, are sort of getting so out of control that it's going to prevent them paying dividends, and that's going to sort of cause their share price problems, which is going to um, mean that they're vulnerable to a takeover. They're not going to go bust in the, in the immediate future but they are going to have to sell even more of their profitable assets in order to pay uh, pay for the well spill and, and it's starting to look like a well it's, it's looked like this for a long time but bp are feeling that they're being shaken down am i going to end up paying for this is this going to come out of my my tax uh, unless you hold bp shares probably not okay good so is, is the government going to do anything are they going to step in how can they help i think they might try and uh, have a have a quick uh, word with uh, obama at the g8 but uh, he's he's not demonstrated any any inkling that he's going to play fair on this issue he's he's seen it as an opportunity to beat up bp from the start and some people might say well hang on a second bp you caused all of this damage then you should be covering everything they they did cause the damage but accidents happen in um in the oil business and bp at one point was uh, operating the world's largest uh, fleet of ships to clean it up so they, and they've paid enormous sums of money to the clean-up. I don't think, uh, I'd, I, compared to the behaviour of um, some American companies when they, well, some other oil majors when they've caused spills elsewhere in the world, BP can't really be um, blamed for, for a lack of response, certainly. Now, thanks very much for coming in. Text 81333. Start your message with 3CR. Text will be charged at the standard network rate. BBC Three Counties Radio. I'd be very surprised if many people have much sympathy for uh, for BP, to be honest, in that situation. Now, a campaign has started to allow the Buckinghamshire Air Ambulance to fly at night. Over the past five years, 48 people have been killed and 360 seriously injured at night on the county's roads. Their air ambulance service says that shows there is a clear need to fly at night. At the moment, it's limited to daylight hours. Well, here's a flavour of the work they do. Laura's two children and her mother-in-law were involved in a horrific accident with a car in High Wycombe. My children were um, on a day out with their grandma um, when they were hit by a drunk driver. She was three and a half or maybe four times the limit. I can't remember exactly. Seen by witnesses previous to the accident um, careering all over the road and driving dangerously. And she actually hit, I think she hit a bollard before she um, uh, hit the children. They were pedestrians on a, on a footpath. She'd hit a bollard first and then the, the noise had obviously drawn the attention of my mother-in-law which has then my mother-in-law actually shielded the children from from the full impact she was um she was aware of what was about to happen um and my son has told us and witnesses at the scene that she actually shielded um the children as best as she could um and took the full impact herself um which obviously has, has saved the lives of, of two of our children both children were airlifted in, in two separate ambulances um, and our daughter received serious injuries so they were actually able to stabilise her at the scene. They, they arrived at the scene within minutes um, so without their, their intervention that day, like I say, things could have been drastically worse. We went back to base after the accident and met the crew that had lifted her and they did say that it's, obviously they can't predict the outcome but if they hadn't have been available that day um, the outlook with her was, was quite bleak 
I mean, words will never be enough, really. We, we can't thank them enough because without their service, I mean, Libby probably would not be here um, and Joshua's injuries could have been an awful lot worse. So, yeah, we just can't thank them enough. Well, we can now talk to BBC reporter John Cuthill, who spent the week at the home base of the Thames Valley and Chiltern Air Ambulance at RAF Benson. Uh, morning, John. Morning to you. How strong is the feeling that this service is needed at night? Well, there are growing voices which say that the air ambulance could play a crucial role, uh, predominantly in the in the winter. I mean, at the moment, we've just gone online for another 12-hour shift here at RAF Benson, but it's really in the winter where they struggle to uh, provide the much-needed assistance that uh, they can during daylight hours. For example, if there's a serious accident on the M1 in rush hour in February, after about half past three, then there's, uh, you know, a limit to whether the aircraft can fly or not and lives could be saved if night vision flying was allowed how much is it going to cost well it's not going to be cheap it's going to be hundreds of thousands of pounds if not millions of pounds just to give you a little idea of how much uh, it does mean financially just one pair of nvg's night vision goggles cost one hundred thousand pounds yeah, absolutely. And you need uh, to fly uh, one pair for the pilot, one pair for the paramedic up front. And then, of course, you need the spare parts and the servicing. But then there's the training, then there's the re-equipping of the aircraft as well. So it's a huge amount of money. It's, it's wholly funded by charity, isn't it? And I would imagine in times of austerity that the, the, they'll be struggling to raise that money, possibly other monies as well. No, absolutely. And that's something that the charities very carefully looking at but as they told me yesterday they like a challenge and they believe it is worth all of the energy and all of the fundraising if it saves one life at night which they can't do at the moment what happens next in the campaign for night flights john well, it's a process. I mean, uh, air ambulances are, are based around the country. Some air ambulances are slightly further down uh, the road looking at night flying than uh, R1 here. But uh, they have to study, they have to carefully consider whether it's worth committing indeed, whether there'd be the public support for uh, the air ambulance to keep the money coming into the coffers because it's no good starting it and then finding out that the coffers run dry. Obviously, there's staffing implications as well. So even after you You've paid for the expense of equipping the aircraft, buying those very expensive night vision goggles. You've then got to think about how you're going to run the business because it, it becomes a, 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 a longer working day than just the 12-hour shift they do already. John Cuthill, thank you very much indeed. Good morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, 08459 four double five five double five. Or you can send me a text as well if you want, 81333. Start your text 3CR asking this morning. Uh, with uh, pictures, incredible pictures, in some of the newspapers of police roaming the streets of Marsh Farm with machine guns. Are you ashamed of Luton? Well, Nick has texted him, with all the recent events in and around Luton and Marsh Farm, is it any wonder that Luton gets such bad press? Even on a day when there was a peace rally, there was a serious incident. I wouldn't go to Luton now under any circumstances. Well, what do you think? 08459 555. And with this, in inverted commas, bedroom tax, I realise it's a slightly lazy description. It's, it's a reduction in benefits, isn't it? But that's what people know it by, and that's uh, kind of the shorthand we're using. People are being encouraged to uh, downsize their properties. Well, do you think that's enough? Should people who are in properties that are too big for them be forced to move to a smaller property? Mark's in Bletchley. Morning, Mark. Good morning, Ian. Mark, what do you think about this? Should people be forced to, to downsize? 
Um, no, I, I don't think so. Um, unless they're happy to downsize, um, you know. And also, are they they happy to maybe have the choice to <laughs> to stay in their own area, which uh, a lot of people want to do, but uh, unfortunately, it's not possible for a, a lot of people. It's. Uh, if, but if people, uh, if there are families that need to move bigger place, to move to bigger places, isn't it selfish of, of someone who's living in a two or three bedroom property to stay there? I, I don't think so. It's re- the long and the short of it is they've really got to start building uh, more places, and uh, you know, um, you know, you take my situation. I live in a seventeen-story block of flats. I test in the water to see if I can move, sort of thing. I've been here 27 years. I don't want to move here. I don't want to move from here at all. The only interest I've had on a home swap site is somebody in Southampton wants to move up here who's actually got a job, swap with their council place. I go to Southampton and be unemployed, or do I stay in the two-bedroom place, uh, you know, in Bletchley Towers that, um, you know, I've been here for, 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 say, 27 years. You know, it's... uh, there are no one-bedroom places to move into, Ian. Mark, final question. Are people who don't downsize being selfish? Uh, no, I, 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 unless they want to. A lot. I heard you call us earlier on, and it's, that's a, you know, a successful story, and, they were, and it all worked out for them. That's nice. But, you know, you've got to get the councils to authorise your... They look at your place and say, no... You, or if you're in arrears, you can't do it at all. You know that, don't you? Yeah, Mark, thank you very much indeed. 08459 oh, four double five five double five. Should people uh, who uh, are in bigger places than they need, should they be forced to downsize? Is it selfish if they stay where they are? So it's page 7 of the Express, page 27 of the uh, Mail. There's a copper walking through Marsh Farm. He's got a, a, an assault rifle, a baton gun, baton rounds... And there's an incredible shot of, uh, of him walking past uh, her mum and her son, who looks about, I don't know, nine, ten years old. Well, are you ashamed of Luton? 08459 455 555. We sent our reporter Justin Dealey out this morning. Justin, you've been going around with this picture. Have people mm. been shocked by what you've been showing them? Absolutely. I mean, these images, of course, have already been on local news, local TV news, but, but now, of course, in the national newspapers, for all to see, entirely different. I've been asking people in Lucent if they are ashamed of their town, and this is what they've had to say. Oh, hang on a second, Justin. I'm just having a little bit of trouble getting that uh, up on the computer. Hang on a second. Why won't that play? Nope, can't get it to play. <laughs> Ollie, can you drag that in? So g- t- tell me, Justin, what have they been saying to you? Well, what they've been saying is that, um, yes, a lot of people are ashamed of Luton. I mean, a lot of people have lived here all of their lives, and they're certainly seeing uh, a change. Some people, of course, they will blame the media, inevitably. But in saying that, of course, uh, the facts are there. We've had, what, 16 gun-related incidents in the town this year, nine shootings, and people waking up this morning all over the UK, and they are seeing these images of the police walking the streets of Luton with machine guns. Justin, we've got your clip now. We can have a little okay. listen. This is what people have been saying to Justin Dealey this morning. Carol, you've lived in Luton for 46 years, all of your life. You're seeing uh, these images in the national newspapers today. Uh, are you ashamed of your town? I am. I'm scared to go out at night times. I stay home at night times now. Well, I used to go out in the town, walk around the streets, now I stay home. And when you say to people that you're from Luton, what do they say to you? They just give me a funny look. <laughs> just stand and stare at me and say, what are you doing? Have you got any plans to leave the town? Hopefully. Maybe in the next three or four years, yeah, hopefully, yeah, I can leave Luton. And how does it make you feel when you see these photographs 
in national newspapers. We're not talking local papers here. This is for everyone to see, police with machine guns. How does that make you feel as a Lutonian? It makes me feel ashamed of Luton, quite honestly. Luton used to be a nice town when I was younger, but now it seems to be all this gun crime, knife crimes, robberies and everything chaos. It's I'm ashamed of it, quite honestly. And again, here's the pictures from the national newspapers this morning. Um, you're from Luton. Are you ashamed of Luton? Not ashamed of Luton at all. It's my hometown. And I'm quite proud thing. Good things happen in Luton, but it's never on the news. It's always the bad things that go on the news. So when you see these pictures, how does that make you feel? Sad that our police have got guns. British police shouldn't have guns. It's not right. You're almost getting emotional yeah. about this, aren't yeah. you? Yeah, yeah. I just think it's so sad that it's, Luton is always knocked. No one comes around when the good things are on. That's one of the great things about Luton. The people are friendly, even though it's put over that we're not. But we are friendly people. The carnival's wonderful. Brings everyone together. You're seeing these images here. Yeah. You live in Luton. Are you ashamed of Luton? I am. Because crime is getting worse. It used to be a very lovely place to stay. But now looking at this, obviously you're scared for your kids as well. Yeah. So like many people that I'm talking to, you're thinking yeah. about leaving Luton Oh, now. definitely. Definitely. I have been thinking about it because I think I live near to this place and it's very scary and obviously we work late shifts and you're scared to walk home. And a final word for yourself, Andy. There's the images from our national newspapers today. Are you ashamed of Luton? No. I think if they need to take that there to go on the streets to be armed and everything, then so be it. Yeah, because yeah, number of shootings that's gone on in Luton is just disgraceful. It's just a small minority, and in general, the town is a great place to yeah, be. So. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Yeah. Well, a mixture there, Justin. Some people mm. um, disappointed. Uh, there's a gentleman on, on uh, Twitter, SITP Bedford, who said he's proud of the police. And we have been suggesting that armed police is what's needed to, to calm things down. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's something we've been saying for weeks now. I think the police, when I spoke to them last weekend, said, right, enough's enough. Well, we're now going to step up our patrols. You will be seeing armed police out there to protect the public. Some people feel uh, safer seeing armed police. Other people, of course, who are not from Luton, maybe waking up today and seeing these images, thinking, what a earth is going on in that town justin we've got to end it there thank you very much indeed get the latest news and sports online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties don't you just want to say to nadine doris nadine come on you've just got the whip back leave it stop <laughs> stop messing around i get the feeling no one tells nadine anything yeah well i'll have a word with her don't worry i'll sort it out This is Ian Lee, BBC Three. Just leave it, Nadine. Stop it. You've only just got the whip back. Just keep quiet for a bit. For goodness sakes, my dear. Right, this morning, I'm asking, are you ashamed of Luton? Many of the national papers show pictures of heavily armed police in Marsh Farm following gun-related incidents in the town. And yesterday, the uh, consequences of gang warfare um, as a 22-year-old man was given a life sentence for murdering teenager Delaney Brown. We're also asking this morning, should council tenants be forced to move out of houses that are too big for them? We're talking about house swapping. Are people who don't downsize being a little bit selfish? And more than a third of all Conservative MPs, including six from this area, effectively voted against their own government last night over their regret at a lack of commitment for a referendum on the EU. We'll be speaking to one of them a bit later on. If you want to get in touch, do give me a call. 08459... Four double five, five double five. Across beds, hearts, and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Well, our top story this morning. Are you ashamed of Luton? National newspapers have splashed pictures of police officers with machine guns on our streets. Well, some of you are telling us this makes you proud of the, of the police and makes you feel safer. Of course, the reason it has come to this is clear. A spate of shootings and gang violence. One tragic consequence of this was Delaney Brown. The 19-year-old was deliberately knocked off his bike and killed by gang member Kyle Beckford, who was driving a stolen BMW. Delaney's death is just one of a number of recent gang-related crimes in the town, including the murder of his uncle Paul Foster in April. We can talk now to Labour Deputy Leader of Luton Borough Council, Sean Timoney. Good morning, Sean. Good morning, Ian. Do you feel ashamed of the national image of Luton? Um, no, I'm really not ashamed of Luton at all. Um, I, in fact, I'm very proud, like some of your listeners, I'm really proud of our people, and, and there's two reasons for that. The first, the first reason is that our, our people are coming together with the police, with other agencies, and sending a really strong message to uh, criminals and those inv- involved in gangs that we will not tolerate their kind of activities on our streets. And the second reason is because of our residents, because of the people of Luton, who were brave enough to come forward as witnesses, that we had the conviction that uh, that happened yesterday, and one very dangerous criminal is now off our streets. 16 so, um, gun-related incidents this year. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That's, that's, that is quite shameful, isn't it? It's not shameful at all. No, I'm absolutely you're, not ashamed. You're not, you're not proud of it, are you? Uh, absolutely not. But we're talking about a very small number of people. It, this reflects really badly. I, I'm quite angry with these criminals. It reflects badly on our town. It's not um, uh, something that, that, that happens all the time. And there are a very small number. If you are talk to the police, you'll find a very small number of people that are involved in these kind of but activities. But 16, in- 16 gun-related incidents isn't... A, it isn't a small number. You're not ashamed of that? No, I'm not ashamed. Uh, um, I am proud of our police and the way they are dealing with it in a robust manner in order to bring these criminals to justice and lock them away for a long time, make our streets a uh, safer place for everyone all around. Uh, Luton does have a bad image. A lot of it, I think, is unjustified. Having worked here now for eight or nine months, I love Luton. I think it's great. It's got some brilliant things that, that happen and some brilliant people. But page uh, 27, I think it is, of the Mail, page 7 of the Express, uh, the, 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 the headline in the Mail, Playground Gun Law in a Grim Portrait of Modern Britain, Rifle-Toting Police Mixed with Children on Estate Plagued by Gang Shootings. It's not a brilliant advert, is it? No, but it's the Daily Mail. Uh, you know, that's all I'm going to say on the matter. Oh, I mean, no, the Daily I, Express. Uh, Daily Express, exactly the same. Right. Uh, you know, that, 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 how that's they how they tell their, their newspapers. How they stories. set up their offices in Luton, the Daily Express? They have. Right. And you're, you're, you're quite happy to criticise them? Uh, I'm criticising their reporters for the way that they um, portray Luton, as you've already rightly said, not in an accurate manner. Well, there's, there's a picture of a copper with a machine gun walking past a ten-year-old lad. That's that's accurate, isn't it? That's happening. It is accurate, it, but it's, if, if the police um, decide that that's what's needed and it makes our residents feel safer, then the council are 100% behind that. Do, do the police have the resources to maintain a significant present in the areas, uh, presence in the areas where this is happening? Well, I, I, you know, yesterday, Ollie Martins, Police and Crime Commissioner, um, alluded to the, the fact that Luton is very much, has the same demographic, same crime profile as um, maybe an inner city area. Um, unfortunately, I don't believe they have the same level of budget, so that's definitely an issue for the police. Do, do we have any idea how long they can maintain this, this high presence before they have to scale back to, to save money? Uh, well, that would be have to, something, something you'd have to ask the police about, absolutely. I don't have that information, Ian. Uh, although many residents love this town, are enough people doing enough to help the police cope with this problem? Um, There's a yeah. wall of silence, isn't there, that's been mentioned? Yeah, except 
for the people who've already come forward, but we've already mentioned in, in the Delaney Brown case, and, you know, brilliant, uh, brave people. And that's what we need. We need more people to come forward and do the same. Um, they can ring Crime Stoppers on 0800 one. They can speak anonymously to the police. Um, that, you know, it's our residents that are out there. They see what's going on. But you they can understand, can't you, why people will be silent? There are people out there who know these idiots that are shooting people that shot this lad in the back uh, a, a few days ago. You could understand why they would be scared to talk because they're worried they'll get shot or their kids or their mum will get shot. Of course. Is there enough support for these people? Uh, Yes, I think there is. And I think people do need to talk to the police anonymously. um, And the police can give them that reassurance that they can be protected. Um, Please don't be fearful. Let's help the wider community and get them off our streets. John, it's easy to say please don't be fearful. But if, if, you know, there's a chance that my mum's going to get shot, or my little boy's going to get shot, I would be reluctant to come to the police, knowing that I'd probably have to go to court at some point as well. Um, yeah, again, fully agree with you, but people do have to stand up. You know, this is our town, we're proud of it, um, and we're not going to let these criminals uh, run our streets. You know, we're not going to tolerate it. Let's stand together and, and be firm and send that clear message to them. If there was a chance that, I don't know if you've got kids, or something, if there was a chance that a member of your family could be shot in retaliation, yep. would you go to the police? Absolutely, yes. Really? Uh, in fact, my son said to me yesterday, Mum, are you really going to do these interviews? Um, you know, what could happen, you know, the comeback, there could be comeback on you speaking out against these gangs and violent criminals. Um, no, we can't let them rule our lives. We can't let them rule our town. We and have Charlotte, to be strong. Final question, what is the council doing to help? The council's doing a, a, a real great deal. They work uh, closely with the police, uh, supporting their operational activities, but also lots of agencies, uh, health, police, uh, charitable groups, community groups, trying to engage young people in positive activities, um, perhaps diverting them from a path of crime and, uh, and showing them a better way. We're doing lots of that work right across the town. Sean Timon, uh, Labour Le- uh, Deputy Leader of Luton Borough Council, thank you very much. for well, Our reporter, Justin Dealey, is out and about. Justin, where are you? I'm just uh, in Luton Town Centre at the moment, actually, and I'm with uh, Paula. Paula, thanks for joining us live across Beds, Hearts and Bucks. I mean, just how concerned are you about crime in Luton? You live in Luton, how concerned are you? I'm very concerned. I have two young children and I want a safe place for them to grow up in. You've seen the images in the newspapers this morning. I've just shown you them. You've heard the comments already this morning. What's your reaction to what you're waking up to today? I think where I live is is okay, but other parts of Luton, it it can be quite dangerous. And seeing small children with um, policemen with guns, it's, it's, it's not a good image. Terrifying? Yeah. And when you say to people you're from Luton, what do they say to you? They give you that look. I've heard this. Uh, people say to me this morning, they give me that look as if to say, why do you live there? Um, I don't come from Luton, but I do live here now. And it's not the nicest place, but it does have good points. And with young children, are you thinking about leaving the town? I'd love to leave the town, but <laughs> at the are moment... Are just being honest? I am being honest, yeah. I, I'd like to go back to where I come from, but at the moment that, that's not possible, so I have to stay here. Okay. Thank you very much indeed. Again, Ian, um, it keeps on coming up. And again, Lucent has got a lot of good points to it. Again, let's not forget those points. I mean, Carnival's coming up. That's a fantastic day. A lot of people get very excited about that. But again, uh, the people this morning with their views, just being completely honest, um, if they had the choice, they certainly would leave Lucent and waking up and, and seeing these images in the national newspapers. Not local papers, national newspapers. Very, very concerning to these people. Uh, and, and Justin, as you know, uh, we, we constantly try and promote the good sides of Luton. And having worked here for eight or nine months, I think there are some fantastic fantastic things there are some wonderful people here there's some great stuff and a lot of the bad press is completely unjustified but 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 mm. you know there are police with machine guns 
walking around Luton today. Caroline on Facebook says, I don't live in the area, just outside Luton. It's such a shame that the media have to portray Luton in such a negative way. The many good people will be moving out of the area and only scum will be left. Uh, then where will it be? But you can only portray the facts, can't yep. you? You can, only, you can only say what's been happening in Luton this year. And again, going out today, I'm, I'm apologising to people, asking them that question, are you ashamed to live here in Luton? I've got to apologise for that, but, but then again, you can't get away from the facts. 16 gun-related incidents, 9 shootings. We've seen the images on TV from Look East, and now of course people all over the UK looking at these images of seeing police walking around parts of Luton with machine guns, walking past young children. You can't get away from those facts. Well, there's someone on Facebook suggesting there may have been uh, another gun-related incident. We'll, we'll have a look into that to see if there's any truth, or if it is just one of those internet rumours. Justin Dealey, thank you very much indeed. Uh, you can have your say on this if you want. You can either give me a call, 0845 455 Are you ashamed of Luton? Or go to the Facebook page. Uh, Susan Swan says, is it, this is such a shame. It'll be a very small minority creating this issue, putting fear into the majority. Apparently it is a, a, a small number. I think the police have said it's something like 30 people that are, are, are responsible for this, and they know who they are. When I asked the policeman why they couldn't go and arrest them, oh, it doesn't work like that. Oh, it's not as easy as that. Go and bang them up. Uh, Susan continues, I'm sure it's all drug-related. We don't live in the area concerned, but it's not that far away. So many good people's lives could be at risk in the crossfire of it all. Steve Tomlin on Facebook says, I used to live one street away from the shooting. We got out of there six years ago. It was horrible then. And John uh, Meeson says, no, I'm not ashamed. I'm worried about those who live there. I was lucky enough to move away, but I still have to be concerned about friends and family who are still living in Luton. Luton isn't a bad place, but there isn't a week go past recently that it's not in the news for violent crimes. Well, violent crimes. Well, we're talking about another gun-related incident every week. Sometimes twice a week. Are you ashamed of living in Luton? The HS2 high-speed rail project, which runs through Buckinghamshire, has an estimated £3.3 billion funding gap. That's according to a National Audit Office report. It says the business case for the rail link from London to Birmingham hasn't been adequately explained, and there's a shortfall in the figures, which the government has yet to decide how to fill. The Whitehall spending watchdog is calling for more clarity over how the project will benefit regional economic growth, but the government says the report is based on old data. Phil Marsh from Milton Keynes is the chief correspondent at Railway Magazine. Phil, is this financial shortfall a concern for the government? I don't think it should be, because when you think about it, uh, a few years ago, everybody was saying the Olympics are running over budget and all the rest of it, and they were delivered on time. And I think the key thing to remember is that in uh, major projects, budgets on the, on the railways, they usually contain up to a 40% contingency allowance in cash terms, so there's plenty of scope for savings again just how you know as, as the olympics um, were delivered and the national audit office and the dft i don't think either of them you would want to base a business case on the data they give you and you know patrick mclaughlin has said that the nao used old data uh, to bring out this report well then you have to ask who supplied the old data because the nao presumably would have spoken to the department for transport so who's trying to hoodwink who here is there a sound case for regional economic growth from the HS2 project? Uh, I'm not an economic expert, but I, I do believe there is because uh, I was very heavily involved in the High Speed One rescue in 1998, uh, renegotiating the contracts. And when you look at places like Ashford and Lille in France now, for example, they are now regional hubs with businesses attracted uh, 
to those towns because they're served by HS uh, high-speed rail, which then leads to the other argument, should there be uh, a, a link station at an interchange station at Calvert, just north of Aylesbury, uh, near Milton Keynes, where the, the east-west link will cross HS1, because that would then really regenerate uh, the area and, and stop all the NIMBYs in their tracks. Well, it, it wouldn't stop all of the NIMBYs, would it, Phil? Because we, we're hearing, uh, and we'll no doubt get calls this morning from people who are saying, well, I, I live 10 feet outside of the um, compulsory purchase line and it's going to ruin my life. There are a lot of people upset by this, and yet the government seem determined to push it through, don't they? Well, that's right, and wherever you build it, <coughs> excuse me, there are going to be people who are going to be seriously, you know, justifiably upset because of the, the noise and that the property may well be compulsory purchased or blighted. And I went on a, a tour. Uh, I, I drove around some of the high-speed routes um, a couple of weeks ago with a friend, and it, most of it is very, very quiet countryside, which then uh, uh, creates another argument, do you want to disturb the countryside? But the root of it is where there is not a lot of things happening, you know, in terms of, of human population. And one of the things that nobody speaks about, your average road traffic accident that involves a hospital has been costed at half a million quid. Now... The more people that go from roads onto high-speed rail means that you'll reduce accidents, and that will save money for the NHS, and that's all been in the news these day, you know, this week. Has that been factored into the business case? Where exactly are we in the planning process for this route? Uh, well, as I understand it, in the Queen's speech, was it last week, they've uh, announced they're going to fast, uh, no pun intended, fast-track the, uh, the HS2 bill, which gives them rights to uh, start all the, all the actual physical works. Um, but, you know, it's, it's not about saving 20 minutes between London and Birmingham, as a lot of people would say. It's about the holistic thing with the economy, employment, getting people off roads. And when the NAO says there's going to be a £3 billion funding gap, who on earth can forecast 20 to 25 years in advance what is really going to happen? Uh, Phil, thank you very much indeed. We can speak now to Cheryl Gillan, who's the Conservative MP for Chesham and Amersham. Uh, Cheryl, what's your uh, reaction to this National Audis, uh, Audit, Audit Office report? Is there a funding shortfall? Well, um, good morning. Uh, yes, I mean, first of all, let's put this in perspective. The National Audit Office is the, the government's own watchdog um, uh, working to uh, very clearly um, define parameters. And they have come up with what is effectively a, a, a damning report. I think it should send alarm bells uh, ringing at both the Treasury and the Department of Transport, if not other departments, because it's not just about the 3.3 billion um, gap in the funding, but there are also other problems in terms of they don't even seem to know whether they need to pay VAT on the cost of the project. Oh, we I, had, we had that problem with the Olympics, didn't we? Yeah, oh, we forgot to factor in the VAT for the I bill. know. I mean, it seems that government doesn't, doesn't seem to, to, to listen or learn. But let's just stand back and say and look at the report holistically um, because it actually confirms that the government has failed to set out clear and cohesive strategic objectives and the report says that it has doubts over the ability and capacity of the Department of Transport and HS2 Limited to even deliver this project. If you go into the detail, you'll see there's other worrying things. The timetable is almost impossible. I mean, the report actually says that the timetable contains no contingency and is shorter than for other comparable programs 
although there's an enormous amount of work that's needed to support this, because this is the largest uh, taxpayers spend in peacetime since the Second World War. So we can't afford to make these mistakes, because these mistakes will become enormous for the taxpayer and enormous burdens on the taxpayer. This isn't the only news we've heard about HS2 this week, is it? Earlier we found out that three-quarters of the families who live near the planned route have had their compensation claims rejected. People are just being walked over, aren't they? Well, I think to a certain extent they are. I mean, that's what the judgment of the Judicial Review said, because um, although the government won on nine out of ten points, on the tenth one, which is arguably, for me, the most important, um, it said that the consultation on compensation was so unfair as to be illegal. And I think, I mean, first of all, I think this report actually calls the whole project into question because the benefits that are being articulated, or so-called benefits, um, are not proven um, and indeed uh, will not happen for for 10, 20 years. You can't rebalance the economy without actually building the northern part of this uh, uh, high-speed railway link. And, of course, the northern part is not going to start for decades yet. But more importantly, if the government then rides roughshod over all the advice and, and, and manages to, to, to get this project back on track, because it's not on track at the moment, um, it has to make sure that it minimizes its damage to the environment and compensates those people whose lives and businesses and homes are affected generously. We're a small country. This is affecting a large number of people. And when you have a project of this size, where at this stage, four years in, the National Audit Office is saying that the objectives and the, 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 uh, the benefits are doubtful. I think that should raise alarm bells right across government. Cheryl, thank you very much indeed. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's have a look at the front pages of the newspaper, shall we? Let's go through these and see what we can find. The Independent. Scientists hail giant leap in human cloning. For the first time, researchers have created human embryonic stem cells from skin cells using the cloning technique that led to the birth of Dolly the sheep. And uh, Tory rebellion on EU deals. Cameron, a hammer blow. Well, there you go, you see. That's, uh, it was all... We were hoping to speak to Nadine Doris about that, but her, her line has just, uh, has just dropped off. Nadine, give us a call back, for goodness sakes! Uh, the Times, there's a picture of an actor and an actress on the front page. Wow, that's exciting. They must be doing something. And recovery is in sight, declares bank chief. King hails higher growth and lower inflation. Britain is finally heading into a sustained recovery. Five years after the financial crash, the Bank of England governor said yesterday, the Daily Telegraph, Cameron threat to prosecute oil bosses. BP and Shell chiefs could face court if petrol price-fixing allegations are true. What? No. The, the petrol companies colluded together to make us pay more money? I won't have a word of it. No! Oil company executives should face criminal prosecutions if they're found to have fixed the price of petrol, David Cameron said last night. The Prime Minister will look urgently at extending criminal offences to cover market manipulation in the energy sector after BP and Shell offices were raided by European authorities on suspicion of rigging oil prices. Really, I can't believe it. No. And uh, wrong drugs given to 10,000 cancer patients. More than 10,000 cancer patients were given the wrong drugs last year, a major survey finds. The report by Macmillan Cancer Support exposes an alarming subculture of poor care. The Guardian. 
Um, fewer than one in five presenters at major broadcasters over the age of 50 are women, a new study reveals today. Research compiled from... Yeah, fairly interesting story. What's more interesting is that Nick Knowles is 50 and Nigella Lawson is 53. And Nigella looks a lot better than, than, uh, than Nick Knowles, I'll tell you that. Nick Hewitt, 69. Jeremy Clarkson is 53, I can buy that. Lineker's 52. Kirsty Walk is 58. Now, Kirsty Walk... Let's just say, if, if things fell apart in the Lee household and, and Ms. Walk became single, hey, boy, oh boy, would I, I'd, I'd be knocking on Kirsty Walk's door. Oh, yes, oh, yes. It's the slightly wonky eye that does it for me. Uh, the Express. Uh, soaring energy bills scandal. Shocking 10% rise in prices to hit millions, millions of households who are facing crippling rises in their monthly energy charges will be hit by further big price hikes at the end of the year. Experts warned last night. The harsh winter, extending into a cold spring, plus price rises expected in the autumn, could push the average annual dual fill bill up, fuel bill up by 10% to 1,600 quid. My last bill for three months was £1,000. I know. 600 for the gas, 400 or thereabouts for the electricity. It's my wife's fault. Oh, let's turn the heating on all night, shall we? No, put a jumper on. Be cold at night. It's healthy, isn't it, to be cold at night? To be shivering slightly? It's good for you to be healthy. If you're warm all the time, I don't know if this is fact, but if you're indoors and warm all the time, that's bad for you, isn't it? Because that allows germs uh, and, and bugs to breed. So you get ill, I reckon. Uh, the Daily Mail. Uh, clone babies and uh, Nicole uh, Kidman has uh, had a, a haircut. Is it front page news? Really? Really? Uh, and there's some. There's some uh, women of different shapes naked and Premstar Gam Rape Quiz. And that's your latest news and sport. More from me at eight o'clock. I'm getting abuse on the internet, Catherine. Not again. I know, there's a surprise. Who'd have thunk it? Uh, because <laughs> I said that I thought Kirsty Walk was, was a fox. There's not, nothing weird about that. She's an attractive, brainy, arty woman. Well, intelligence is often very attractive. Yeah. Uh, do you have uh, anybody that is a little bit odd that you've kind of got the hots for and you tell your friends and they're like, what? Michael Palin. I can understand that. He's charmed. He looks like Michael Portillo, doesn't he? He does a bit. So do you fancy Portillo as well? Not a bit, no. Okay. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. You can send me a little text if you want with your uh, cheeky, bizarre crushes. I think, Kirsty Walk, I don't... No, not at all. Wonderful. Wonderful woman. Slightly wonky eye. Uh, brainy, arty, fantastic, an accent. Oh, I'm there. I'm in love. 81333, start your text 3CR. Uh, the photos in many of today's national papers of police carrying machine guns in Marsh Farm. Well, this morning we're asking, are you ashamed of Luton? And as another of our local authorities has held a day encouraging council tenants to swap or downsize their property, should council tenants be forced to move out of houses that are too big for them? Uh, you can go to facebook.com forward slash BBC. 3CR. You can send me a text 81333 or you can give me a phone call 08459 455 555. Now, more than 100 of uh, David Cameron's MPs challenged his government's approach to Europe last night. The Conservative backbenchers voted to show regret that the Queen's speech last week didn't include a bill allowing a referendum on whether Britain should stay in the EU. Six local Tory MPs and one local Labour MP voted for the amendment. The six Tories who backed the amendment from our patch are Wickham MP Stephen Baker, James Clapperson from Hartsmere, Mid-Beds MP Nadine Doris, Stephen McParland from Stevenage, St Albans MP Anne Main and Andrew 
Salou from South West Beds. And the Labour MP who voted for the amendment is Luton North MP Kelvin Hopkins. Well, apparently she's standing by her kettle, which means we can speak to her. We can go to Nadine Doris. Good morning, Nadine. Good morning. Is that the only place you can get a signal by your kettle? Yeah, I actually know. I'm stood in the bed, but there you go. Oh, the, steady on. Now, now, why <laughs> did why did you um why did you vote the way you did? Um, because I, I'm very aware that the constituents in Mid Bedfordshire um, want to have a referendum and give, be given an opportunity to exit from the European Union. And I don't think that um, MPs' promises or government's promises that we will have a referendum in 2017 actually work. I don't think people believe politicians' promises. And I was expressing my regret that people aren't being offered a referendum at the same time as they will vote in the general election in 2015. We can't trust politicians' promises, Nadine. What on earth are you saying? The Prime Minister himself has promised it. Are you implying that he could be lying? No, I'm saying that people don't believe politicians' promises. I'm not saying they can't trust them. I'm saying people don't believe them. If you say to the general public, we'll give you a referendum and we'll give it to you in 2017, but we've just got a little hiccup of a general election to get through in 2015, they aren't going to buy that. That just isn't going to work. What people want is something within a time frame that they can understand and see is going to happen very shortly. Now, if the Prime Minister votes Article 50... We could begin our terms of renegotiation with the EU and we could have that referendum in 2015 at the same time as we have a general election when we know there are going to be a maximum number of people going out to vote. It was a bit embarrassing for David Cameron, wasn't it? Over 100 of his MPs voting against him. Um, one could possibly say that. I, I think it was probably more a message and an indication that perhaps we need to change track or the government needs to change track and think about things a little differently. You know, we have got a private member's bill going through, ballot at the moment, and the government have promised government time to whoever wins that um, that private member's ballot in order to put through a bill for a referendum. So there is hope. I think the government are listening. But we don't want the... What the government are going to listen to is a bill for a referendum in 2017. That time frame is just not good enough. You know, if we can go to the country just to appease the Liberal Democrats and say, here's a national referendum on our voting system on AUV, which is really important to the majority of people, why can't we give them a referendum on something which is important to them, which is our membership of the European Union? Have you spoken to your constituents about this? What, what do they say? Oh, well, I get letters and emails all the time. Nobody sends me an email saying, oh, please don't have a referendum, we don't want one. The majority of my emails are, my, my daughters, my you know, grandchildren have never had a vote on this in their lifetime. Um, we don't want to send £53 million a day to Europe. We want out. We don't want ever closer political union. They're the emails and the letters I get. Nobody emails me and says, actually, we'd quite like to stay in. Now, you mentioned the £53 million uh, a, a day. That's, that's a, a UKIP line. Isn't that slightly misleading as well? Because it, it doesn't quite work out to be £53 million a day once we factor in all of the benefits we get. Actually, I think the UKIP line is 70-something million pounds per day. Um, the actual um, raw cost is 53 million. That's the, that, that's, the, that's the given figure that the government don't challenge. But with all the, so, with all the benefits that we get and, and uh, the rebates and things, doesn't it average out about 19 million a day, something like that? Mm, well, if, you, know, you can argue it on so many sides. You could say that it's costing us even more than £53 million a day because of our trade agreement, and we can't trade with other countries in the world in the way that we want to. 
but but we actually lose more than the £53 million a day. So it depends which side of the argument you want to take. Yeah, I was listening recently to a professor from Oxford who is the UK's um, authority on the cost of our EU membership, and he actually said it is impossible to take a definitive position because there are so many complexities and so many arguments that you need to throw in. But actually, £53 million a day is more or less a, an average and a fair assumption of the cost. What's this about you wanting to stand on a joint ticket with, with the Conservatives in UKIP at the, the next general election? No, what I said was that near the time of the general election, it's not just me, Peter Bone has said this before me, actually, um, the MP from Northampton, and um, Jacob Rees-Mogg has said it before me. What I said is that nearest the general election, um, should it be the case that um, UKIP were doing extremely well in the polls and we weren't doing so well in the polls, that rather than see, because there are so many and policies which are the same as many as I and many of my councillors stand on, such as anti-EU, um, anti-gay marriage, uh, a, lot, a lot of the policies that we have which are similar in programmer schools, that actually it would be ridiculous to have a candidate standing against another candidate with exactly the same policies. And it's actually an issue more of a concern for my councillors than me. So what I said was that because the government have enabled us now um, as a new legislation to be able to put two logos on the ballot paper, that, that this was something that I would consider and talk to my association about going forward. So that's what I'm going to do today. We're two years away from the general election. But the, uh, and the Conservatives have, have kind of said, no, this goes against our policy completely. How, how do you react yeah. to that? Yeah, of course they have. But, you know, in 2015, when 30th are MPs uh, want to do this, then you know, I've got a majority of 15,500. It isn't such an issue to me. But there are lots of MPs on small majorities who actually have voted against EU referendums in the House of Commons, voted for, sorry, voted against EU increases to EU budgets, voted for an EU referendum, who are the kind of people that UKIP may think, well, you know, really, we could endorse you and then put our firepower elsewhere. And I think those MPs who are on marginal seats will be having those conversations in a couple of years' time. Are you not tempted just just to jump ship and go completely UKIP? (laughs) No, because as I've said so many times before, I am a Conservative and always happy. Yeah, that's like saying to you, yeah. I don't know which football, I'm a Liverpool supporter. It's like saying to me, wouldn't you like to go and support Man United? You can't do it. It's not something you can do. Nadine, listen, you've only just got the whip back. Can't you just keep quiet for a little bit? Stop, stop, <laughs> stop rocking the boat, for goodness sakes. <laughs> Look, you know, I, uh, if, you, if you say to me, um, uh, say something to your constituents, you know, don't go and vote for this EU referendum, just stay quiet and pretend you, you, know, you do want to go ahead with what the government's doing, then you'd be asking me to deceive my constituents. If being a rebel every now and then and having my head shot off means that I'm representing the views of my constituents and standing up for Miss Bedfordshire, then I'll do that every time. What have some of your colleagues uh, thought about you getting the whip back? Have they b- welcomed you back with open arms or have some people been giving you the, uh, the evil eye? No, David Davis threw a party for me on Monday night in the House of Commons, which, shall we just say, was very well attended and went on for a very long time. Was it, it sounds like there was lots of booze flowing. Was that, was that the case? Or was, um, that, was that probably not for discussion? No, not lots of booze. It's, you know, it's quite late at night, but it was, it was a good evening and lots of my colleagues came um, to show their support and it was, it was very good. Nadine, thank you for coming on. Just, just you know, just quieten down a little bit. Just, just relax, okay? It's not good for you all this. <laughs> well, if I, well, if I did, you wouldn't want to talk to me, would you? Well, that's that's probably true. Nadine Doris, thank you very much indeed. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Call oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, did she say she was in bed? 
I think she did, didn't she? Wowzers, there you go, you see, that's, uh, right, listen, it's on the, uh, the, the pages of, uh, the Daily Express, uh, page seven, the Daily Mail, page 27, it's an incredible picture, uh, of, uh, uh, I, I know it's a cliche, but aren't police officers getting younger these days? This is, there's a boy virtually, uh, an armed policeman walking through Marsh Farm with a heavily armed policeman guarding the playground, assault rifle at the ready. It could be the scene of a terror alert. In fact, this is a routine patrol just yards from a suburban primary school. The show of force is designed to calm residents of an estate plagued by gang shootings. Well, it's his copper. Uh, he's got an assault rifle, he's got baton rounds, he's got a baton gun, uh, he's got another gun stashed away somewhere, a reinforced baseball cap. No, there's a reinforced baseball cap. The, the story goes on, the violence has left law-abiding families so terrified they welcome the patrols even if they risk scaring children. Faye Bell, 37, a mother of two, said, The armed police might seem heavy-handed to some people, but to us they're hugely reassuring. It's very sad that it's come to this, but we need the police to be armed so they can protect our kids. So two pictures. One, this guy with his finger hovering over the trigger, walking past a a playground. And another one, um, I think it's the same gentleman, uh, walking past a mum and her kid. He's got a packet of Haribo, the kid, he's what, nine years old? Are you ashamed of Luton? We've been asking, well, I've been suggesting that, uh, that, that armed police, more patrols, uh, stop and search is what is needed to catch these little oiks that are doing this. But are you ashamed of Luton? Luton gets such a bad press, and uh, to be honest, you, you asked me a, a year ago, I would probably have been part of the, the, the people knocking it. I would have done, yeah, I didn't work it. Work here eight or nine months, I love Luton, it's great. Some fantastic people, some wonderful things. It's lovely. There are bits of it that, you know, that aren't lovely, it's maybe a slight exaggeration, but there's some good stuff. But... When you see things like this in the national press, does it make you ashamed of Luton? 08459 455 555. You can go to Facebook as well and have a a, a little comment there. Facebook.com forward slash BBC uh, 3CR. Let's just pick a couple of these at random. Uh, Angela Howard says, It was in the top eight worst places to live in the country. I remember the riots there. Horrible. And Alison Fletcher says, you cannot be ashamed of a town. It's the very few in, in it that are making it a place where people would not want to live or visit. As for the guided busway, now even a bigger waste of money, as people will not want to go there to shop. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. If you want to get in touch, give me a call 08459 455 555. Now, as legal tests begin into the government's so-called bedroom tax, councils in the three counties are holding events for people wanting to downsize or upsize. Luton Borough Council says that the number of people on its waiting list to find a smaller home has increased from 100 at Christmas to more than 200 since benefit changes in April. Well, our reporter Simon Watts has been to the latest event in Marsh Farm. The bedroom tax has affected around 660,000 people across the country and it means on average those people with spare bedrooms are losing £14 a week since the benefit cuts at the start of April. Ministers insist the changes are legal but a group of disabled people and their families are challenging it at the High Court saying it's discriminatory. In areas like Marsh Farm where I've come here in Luton today there remains a huge demand for council housing and Luton Borough Council are using the bedroom 
bedroom tax to look for people who might now want to downsize to do a swap deal with those who need somewhere bigger. And here at Futures House, the latest Mutual Exchange Day is being held. Well, a number of stalls have been set up today with housing associations and partnership with the council, offering advice and information to people who want to swap homes. I'm here at the stall of House Exchange, where I'm joined by Kim Duran, who's the manager of the National Scheme. What's your role in this? So I manage the House Exchange website. This is where tenants come to register their properties. They're looking for a swap. The system automatically matches them up. Then once they've found a swap, they go to their landlord. You described it to me before almost being like a dating website. So once they get registered on the website, what will happen from there? So, yeah, it it is all about finding that match. So once they've registered um, and the system matches them up, they'll have a number of properties that match to their requirements. Might be looking to move because of the changes in benefits or to move closer to family. And this system uh, matches them all up with these requirements um, and finds them a home. And what process, once you've found a match, uh, do you go through from there? So this is once you've found a match, you'd get in touch with your landlord. You'd fill in some application forms. They have to get back to you within 42 days legally in, in order to let you know whether you can or can't swap. And there's not many reasons why you can't. So mutual exchange is one of the easier ways to move. Once that's done and they say yes, you just sign over um, on the dotted line. You take on the other person's tenancy, so that is something to be aware of. And then the move goes ahead. It sounds quite a simple process. Your work- working across the three counties here I believe as well not just here in Luton. Yes we are we've got about two and a half thousand tenants just registered in the Bedfordshire area we've had a definite increase in users about 26% versus this time last year so there's definitely been an increase in users. We've also got 16% of people are looking to downsize now which last year was only 9% so the benefit changes have had a real impact on mutual exchanges. Well thank you very much that's uh, Kim Duran from the Housing Exchange. Now if you are interested in moving house and would be prepared to swap with somebody else looking to either upsize or downsize then you can find out more by going to uh, the website to register at www.bedfordshire.houseexchange.org.uk well that's simon watts our reporter makes it sound very easy have you tried to do a house swap because the uh, the reduction in your benefits the bedroom tax has, has forced you to uh, rethink your housing Have you tried to do a a house swap and and found it perhaps a little bit more difficult? And if you don't swap houses and downsize, are you selfish? 08459 455 555. We can talk now to Marie Taylor, who's the Head of Housing Management Services at Bedford-based Housing Association, BPHA. Uh, Marie, it all sounds very easy and very straightforward, but I thought that there was a shortage of, of appropriate housing. There is a shortage of social housing, and there are lots of people on the waiting list. But where you've got two tenants who want to have a different size property or a property in a different location, if we can match them up and they can swap, that actually satisfies their housing needs or desires, but actually doesn't take a property that's vacant that could go to somebody on the waiting list. How many housing swaps have you facilitated since the the, the benefits change in April? Um, I don't know any figures on how many housing swaps we've facilitated, but we have seen an increase in requests. So more people are asking for it, but I mean, it, it could be it could be one, it could be ten. We just don't know. Uh, right at this very moment, I don't have the figures. I could find them out for you. That would be great if you could, Maria. I'd appreciate that. Thank you. What are the benefits of housing swaps? Oh, she's actually gone to find those figures for me this very second. Well, isn't that good of her, <laughs> Marie? Yep, she's gone to find those figures for me right now. Thank you, Marie. That's that's prompt service, isn't it? 
<laughs> I didn't mean right this very second. I kind of meant, you know, maybe for later on in the show, possibly even for tomorrow's show. But Marie is, is keen, and that's what we want. It's an interesting question, isn't it? Because it, it could be. I'm sure it's more than there's more than one swap. Um, but, but it could be one swap. There's been an increase in requests. I'd love to talk to you this morning. If um, you have tried to do a housing swap, have you found it easy? H- have you been successful or have you been left wanting? 08459 455 555. That's very I'm, I'm impressed by that, that Marie Taylor's uh, effort there. I asked her to get the figures. She's gone off to do it immediately. Forget the... No, I'm going. Well, good for you. Well done. And if you don't downsize, are you selfish? There is good reasoning behind it. There are loads of families with two, three kids that are stuck in one, two-bedroom houses. Or flats. And they need a little bit more room, don't they? So, if you're a couple and you've got three or, or four bedrooms, are you a little bit selfish? Oh, eight four five nine four double five five double five. Marie, I believe you're back. Yes, I'm very sorry, my uh, battery ran out. Oh, OK. No, I thought you'd gone off to get those figures for me then. I thought that's keen, but don't, 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 don't worry so much. I was asking, what are the benefits of, of uh, housing swaps? Well, I think people may be able to move quicker than if they're waiting on the waiting list. Waiting lists can be quite long, and if people can locate a person to exchange with, they might be able to get the move that they want faster. Uh, are people who don't downsize a little bit selfish? Because the, 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 the reasoning behind this, whether the, the actual science is good or not, I don't know, but the reasoning behind this is sound, isn't it? But bigger families can move into more appropriately sized properties. I think that's a good opportunity. However, you know, sometimes people who don't downsize are staying in a family home they've lived in for a long time. So I do sympathise with them too. Do they have a right to complain, though, if they're losing uh, benefits, but yet they're staying in a larger property? Well, that's a government policy. So... You know, I really can't comment on that. Uh, people do get attached to where they live, don't they? Whether it's they a do. council tenant or not. So uh, I'm, I'm imagining a lot of people won't want to move. Should they be given more of an incentive to downsize? Um... Well, we will look at giving people incentives, and we do have um, a policy which will offer help to people to move if, you know, not having the money would be a, finan- would be a barrier to it. So, so uh, are you offering people cash if they move? Um, help to move, so help with removal costs, that sort of thing. Right, so that's the incentive, is you would cover the removal costs, so it wouldn't cost them to move. We may do that, we're doing it on a case-by-case basis, because we think we might have a lot of demand because of the changes. Mm. What, what criteria would people have to meet to um, benefit from uh, these incentives? Um, well, we're, as I say, we're doing it on a case-by-case basis, because we're still feeling our way. It's quite new for us, too. Right. But but uh, you you can't give. I mean, would a certain would you have to be earning below a certain amount of money? Would you have to shout loud enough? What what would you be looking for in these case by case bases? Well, we'd be looking for people to be unable to afford it themselves, okay. and obviously people may be motivated to downsize because they've had a reduction in housing benefit. Mm. Where can people go for advice about uh, house swapping, Marie? Um, as mentioned in your report earlier, there's the House Exchange website, which has got some information about um, House Exchange. Um, you can connect to that through our Bedfordshire Home Finder website as well, so people can find out about that. Or they can contact us at BPHA on, by the telephone or speak to their neighbourhood housing officer or call into our reception. Marie Taylor, thank you very much. Head of Housing Management Services at Bedford-based housing association BPHA. A couple of things, I think, come off uh, the back of this, really. Have you tried 
to downsize because of the, in inverted commas, bedroom tax. I keep flagging up, I know it's not called the bedroom tax because I always get a load of abuse on Facebook. Oh, it's not a bedroom tax, you blooming liberal. It's a, it's a reduction in benefits. I know, but it's a shorthand that we all understand and appreciate. Have you tried to downsize uh, and uh, been successful or found it difficult? 08459 455 555. And if you don't downsize, you're two people, you're living in a, a two-bedroom property... Are you selfish? Should people like that be forced to downsize? As I said, the, the, the idea behind it is sound, whether the science is or not. I'm, I'm not in a position to say. But the idea is that big families in small properties get to move to more appropriately sized properties. So should people be forced to move... If they're in a place that's too big for them, 08459 455 555. In sport, Chelsea have become the first club to hold both the Champions League and the Europa League titles after their 2-1 win over Benfica last night. And the weather, it will be uh, sunshine and showers, uh, but feeling much warmer with a top temperature of 17 degrees Celsius. That's 63 degrees Fahrenheit. Get the latest news in sports online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. Sorry? With your 40 seconds short, love. I know. What? I made a mistake. What happened? Shh, gloss over it. Well, no, I can't. And I know we have someone very, very high up from BBC management upstairs this very moment. And I'm going to out you. What did you What did you do? In my haste to put Nadine Dorries in, because it was a great clip, yeah. I put her in the wrong place. So I put sport ahead of her. No one will ever know. I don't think they will. Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots coming up between... Oh, it's 8, 8 o'clock. I thought it was 7 for some reason. The show has flown by. Well, I'm here every weekday morning, 6 till 9. JVS will be up at 9. Between now and then, we'll be talking about the photos that are in the newspapers of armed police walking the streets of Luton. Are you ashamed of Luton? Well, we'll be speaking to a member of Bedfordshire Police to find out exactly what's going on. More on the HS2 and how apparently there could be a big government shortfall. And if you don't downsize your property, are you being selfish? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR or you can give me a call 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. The grandfather of a teenager mur- by, murdered by a rival gang member in Luton has appealed to the community to come together. 19-year-old Delaney Brown was deliberately knocked off his bicycle by 22-year-old Kyle Beckford driving a stolen BMW in September last year. Yesterday, Beckford was found guilty and told he'll serve a minimum of 24 years. Delaney Brown Sr. says we must not stand for lawlessness on the streets of Luton. We urge members of the community to work with the police and do not allow criminals to feel they can go around causing serious harm without facing (coughs) the consequences. There are community groups working in Luton with young people who need support from all forms of organisations. Please help them to help our young people. We need to come together to show our young people that we will not stand for lawlessness on the streets of Luton. Thank you, God. 
Well, our reporter Tony Fisher joins me in the studio. Tony, what did the judge have to say about gang culture in Luton? Well, he had some very strong words in. He said, basically, let this case send a message to those who commit crime associated with gang culture that there will be no mercy shown by these courts. He talked sports a lot about the futility of gang culture. He talked about how Delaney and Carl had grown up in a successful, thriving town, gone to a good school, a lot of uh, employment opportunities, uh, and that basically there was no... No excuse to uh, fall into this the, the, the trap of, of, of gang culture. The police are still seeking witnesses, aren't they? In particular for two incidents, the shooting of Paul Foster, the murder of Paul Foster, and the shooting of that 16-year-old just the other day. That's right. They're very keen for people to come forward. Uh, people are, for obvious reasons, reticent to come forward. But uh, Detective Superintendent Jeff Hill uh, says um, that he wants, uh, he needs more brave people to come forward, and they can put measures in place to help people uh, to protect them, as it were, if they are going to give them information. Uh, two people have been arrested uh, in on suspicion of murder of Paul Foster. They've been bailed, um, but they are still seeking more witnesses in order to try and get the evidence uh, on those two people. Now, earlier, Ian, you spoke to the Labour Deputy Leader of Luton Borough Council, Sean Timoney, uh, and she says we can't let criminals rule Luton. People do have to stand up. You know, this is our town, we're proud of it, um, and we're not going to let these criminals uh, run our streets. You know, we're not going to tolerate it. Let's stand together and, and be firm and send that clear message to them. There was a chance that, I don't know if you've got kids, or something, if there's a chance that a member of your family could be shot in retaliation... Yep. Would you go to the police? Absolutely, yes. Really? Uh, in fact, my son said to me yesterday, Mum, are you really going to do these interviews? Um, you know, what could happen? You know, the comeback, there could be comeback on you speaking out against these gangs and violent criminals. Um, no, we can't let them rule our lives. We can't let them rule our town. Well, Tony, you've spoken to people in Marsh Farm where police have stepped up armed patrols. What are they saying? Yes, specifically round the Purley Centre, the rundown Purley Centre, which is due for demolition. The council are looking at redeveloping that area. Uh, but there's a whole housing block there uh, which has been set aside for homeless people. Uh, I went there the other day. Um, you know, you've got burnt-out bins round the round the side. You walk up the stairs to go and talk to these people. The, the stairs smell. It, it's it's not very pleasant. Um, but I did uh, speak to someone there who's, who lives in the Purley Centre who, who happens to be homeless. Her name is Jeanette, uh, and this is what she had to say. There's quite a lot of trouble that goes on in the area. Um, unfortunately, with a lot of youths, the gangs, the gang culture, um, that can be quite intimidating, you know. Um, I know I'm not old, but I feel more vulnerable walking out at night or coming out of my home um, after um, dark. So that does limit me, and I do tend to stay indoors. Um, I just have to watch and hear everything that's going on around me, um, which isn't nice sometimes. What sort of things? Um, it was just the noise and, um, you know, you hear uh, noises that sound like gunshots and um, it's a lot of the stories that you hear that are going around and that you know trouble that's happening in Luton. Um, you just don't want to have to meet up with it. Well, listening to that is uh, Andrew Richer, who's the Assistant Chief Constable of Bedfordshire Police. Andrew, you just heard Jeanette there. W what could you say to reassure her? Uh, well, what I would point out is that currently we're, we are pursuing a twin-track approach to dealing with this issue. So in the short term, clearly there's been a spike in uh, the discharges of firearms in the area. We've got a very robust uh, response in relation to that uh, doubled our footprint on the ground to deter people from coming onto the streets with weapons. 
massive investigative intelligence resources uh, looking at the uh, cases uh, that um, are under investigation and we will be targeting the minority of offenders who are actually responsible for this. Then in um, the medium to longer term, uh, we are looking to uh, instigate partnership work and our, our partners will need to be leading on some of this work about dealing with some of the underlying uh, social problems and uh, causation factors that have been alluded to in your coverage uh, to this point. Andrew, we've had a text uh, from Pat uh, who says, we are seeing a complete breakdown of law and order in Luton due to a justice system being geared to help the criminals. Councillors are in denial and the police force are driven only by targets. Criminals run our streets because they can. Law and order has to be restored by punishing those that commit a crime and not just caution them or reward them in our prisons for good behaviour. What, what would you say to Pat? Well, I have to uh, disagree, uh, and I have to point out that a man was convicted of a gun crime offence uh, in Luton on Friday. He was sentenced to eight years. Uh, we had uh, Carl Beckford convicted yesterday, sentenced to 24 years. Also, uh, let's keep this in perspective. This is not just an issue in Luton, but I, I don't deny we've had an upsurge. 16 uh, in, gun incidents this year, isn't it, in Luton? That, that's correct, but we convicted four men of armed robbery in Bedfordshire yesterday as well uh, and they were sentenced to a combined total of over 50 years imprisonment now that wasn't in Luton but I'm not denying that we've had a spike in these incidents in Luton but we do need to put it in context it's not just a problem in Luton it is a problem generally but the police are very effective in tackling it. Tony? Tony, uh, 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 Andrew's Tony here you're looking at 30 people you're targeting 30 people in Marsh Farm and Lucy Farm areas is that correct? That's correct. And what, what exactly are you doing to try and, as we say, target them? Have you got enough well, we're, information we're, we're, to arrest them, basically? If we had enough information to arrest them, we would be uh, pursuing them for arrest. But what we're doing is collating our intelligence about these individuals, uh, uh, working out what their vulnerabilities are, what connections to other investigations there might be, uh, where we can make uh, links. Uh, and we'll be exploiting every opportunity to actually... Uh, stop search them, uh, execute warrants and, uh, and arrest them and gather evidence. Tony, final question? But ideally, would you like these people off the streets, Andrew? Would you like them behind bars? Uh, we would uh, clearly like to deter them from committing offences and uh, those who have perpetrated offences should be uh, brought to justice and put behind bars uh, if uh, that's appropriate. So, uh, yes, we do need uh, help from the community. We uh, work in concert with the community. We are only citizens in uniform uh, acting on behalf of the community and we do need information and help. And I'd appeal to the close associates of these young men as well. We've seen in the Beckford case yesterday uh, that the two families' lives have been blighted by this and these men are generally very young. Uh, some of them you could only describe as boys uh, and they need protecting from themselves and their close associates and family members it will be in their interest for them to pass this information to prevent them continuing down the path they've embarked on. Andrew, thank you very much. That's Andrew Richard, Assistant Chief Constable of Bedfordshire Police. Well, we can join Justin Dealey, who's uh, in Leegrave. Morning, Justin. Yes, thank you, Ian. And with um, Side at the moment here in Leegrave, um, first of all, how concerned are you about crime here in Luton? I'm actually pretty concerned, especially in the last five to six years the crime has risen, especially in the Marsh Farm area in Hockwell Ring. Um, I've, personally been, I've personally seen people being stabbed.
uh, in, in the last five, five to six years. The, one of the big concerns for me is the growing gang crime in this uh, part of Britain, in Luton. thing is, I've seen innocent people walk out of their house and being shot. Uh, this happened in Lucy Farm uh, two to three years back, and I saw this guy walking, walking out of his house, and he got shot, and the guy who shot him said, oh, no, that's the wrong person, sorry. So basically, human life needs to have some value, but... I don't see that in Luton at the moment. Let me just go back to that. You yeah. say you've actually seen somebody stabbed in front of you. Yeah. Yes. Obviously, a lot well, of families reported. listening to this right now, yeah. but, but just describe what sort of effect that has had on your life. It's had a big effect on my life because it's not... I don't feel, I don't, I don't feel nice getting, seeing another innocent person walk out of their house and get stabbed. Did this person die? Um, fortunately, no. But why, even, if he's not, even if he didn't die, it's still a sad thing. Why should he have to go through that pain? if he doesn't deserve it. And that's something that you're clearly never going to forget, is it? I'm never going to forget that. That's really had a bad impact on my life. Goodness me, I wasn't expecting that. So, are you constantly looking over your shoulder here in Luce, and you constantly fearing what's going to be happening to you? Well, I've, I would say yes to that, especially when I'm walking out of my during the night. I used to constantly look back over my shoulder to see what on earth is going on, because I don't know what's going to come from, from behind me. Is it going to be a knife? Is someone going to shoot me or not? So it's quite a growing concern, especially for me, not just for me, for everybody, anybody else living around here, because of the growing gangs. And we're not blowing this out of proportion. This is yeah. your personal view. This is my you personal feel, view. when you're walking the streets of Lewis and at night, mm-hmm. you do fear for your safety. You fear yeah. that one day you might be stabbed. Yeah, you never know. You don't know, you don't know only God knows what's around the corner. We personally don't. So I don't know what's going to happen to me. If I turn around the corner, I'm going to get stabbed or not. Because people are not just stabbing people that are they're actually involved in a fight with. They're trying to people are have, st- have killed and stabbed innocent people. Okay, a couple of final questions for you, yeah. very quickly on this. If you don't like Luton so much, why are you still here? Um, I would say no to that. I still love my, I still love Luton. Yeah, I actually born up in Middlesbrough. Came here at the age of five. I'm living here for more than 16 years. Mm. I'm fine with Luton. I mean, the standard yeah. of living here, the quality of life is, is fine. Personally, at the moment, I'm fine. But the thing is that concerns me. I shouldn't, if I'm not in danger, I shouldn't, even if I'm not really directly in danger, I should yeah. be, I should still be concerned about other people as well. Okay, very, very quickly. Just, just, sorry, just, just, sorry, just, yes. I'm just going to interrupt, because we're running out of time. And, mm. and thank you for that. It's fascinating. I just want to put that point to Andrew Richard, who's still listening. Andrew, what could you say to, to um, a young man like that? Well, what I'd encourage people to do is to report such incidents. Clearly, he's an eyewitness there. Um, I don't know whether he did contact them. People are scared, aren't they, Andrew? People are scared of reporting about gun crime and and knife crime because they're worried that their kids are going to get shot or they're going to get shot or their mum's going to get shot. Can you really put people's minds at ease? Well, the fear of crime is disproportionate to the actual risk, and we've shown in the Beckford case that people came forward, gave us information, uh, and... uh, you know, we were sensitive to but their people are getting sh- people are getting them. shot, Andrew. Sorry to interrupt, but people are getting shot. You can understand why people wouldn't want to come forward, can't you? You can understand the concern, but people have got to stand up and be counted in the community. And maybe get shot. Well, let's uh, keep things in proportion. Generally speaking, the activity has been between uh, the two... Uh, groups who Paul Foster? Uh, are in dispute with one another. Paul Foster? Well, there are connections. There are connections there. OK, Andrew, thank you very much indeed. 08459 455 555. Are you ashamed of Luton? And in sport, a 93rd-minute winner from Branislav Ivanovich. Ivanovich? Uh, so Chelsea beat Benfica to... Oh, I don't know, Jonathan, <laughs> do I? You know me in football. <laughs>
With Branislav Ivanovic. That's it, yes. Is it? I don't know. Ivanovic. Anyway, this gentleman scored a goal and well done. Some football teams did well. Great for you. Excellent. Weather today for beds, hearts and bucks. Sunshine and showers, but feeling much warmer with a top temperature of 17 degrees. Coming up, the HS2 high-speed rail project, which runs through Buckinghamshire, has an estimated £3.3 billion funding gap. That's according to a National Audit Office report. Because I was doing this course yesterday, I was able to listen to Roberto. A cracking listen last night on the way Really? A cracking listen, yes. Excellent stuff. I like your shirt. I feel I should burst forth with a rendition of Rhinestone Cowboy. (laughs) But I'm not wearing rhinestones. No, but it looks like a cowboy shirt, doesn't it? I would love to be a cowboy. Would you? Yeah, I would. On a, riding a horse with the lasso, lassoing um, cattle and girls uh, in the bar with the man playing <laughs> the honky tonk piano, drinking shots of red eye. Is that what really happens? Do you think? Well, I saw it in a documentary. No, not a documentary, a film. Ooh. Turns out they're not always based on a true story. Was it Brokeback Mountain? <laughs> Why not? Why not? I'll, listen, I'll experience the entire cowboy lifestyle. <laughs> really? I'll, 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 why not? I'll embrace it. Right. I'll embrace it and, yeah. and, 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 and go through and see what happens. You know, I'm not ashamed to try anything once. <laughs> In a two-man tent. So coming up this morning on the big phone-in, we're uh, continuing with this discussion about Luton. It's all kicking off, isn't it? Yes. It's all kicking off. From nine this morning, is Luton really as scary as it's made out to be? As you've been discussing today, the National Papers are full of pictures of Luton this morning showing armed police with machine guns patrolling our streets. You will know, Ian. Yes. I'm a big supporter of armed police. Yes. My word, though, when we arm our police, we, we don't do things by halves, do we? Well, the fellow there's got two guns and a bat on thing that fires things off so it's like the terminator it does walking around luton what's what i find unsettling about that picture is yes it's, it's good to see armed police i think but the, it's it's, the, it's the, the contrast of him walking past the kiddies playground that's kind of what what uh, unsettles me slightly well there have been nine shootings in luton this year as we know the police are now offering a thousand pound reward to anyone who helps bring an arrest and conviction for a gun crime um well from nine this morning i want your views the pictures in the papers, the stories that you're hearing, the discussions on the radio, is Luton really as scary as it's made out to be? If you live in Luton, what's your view? Are you scared at the moment of being in the town? If you are somebody who, like me, doesn't doesn't live in Luton, but you come into Luton from time to time, what's your view? Is it somewhere you're scared to go? Or are all of these stories blown out of all proportion? Your view at nine on the big phone-in. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. The phone number for me is the same as it is for JVS, 08459 455 555. You can also send him a cheeky email as well. Uh, JVS show at bbc.co.uk. If you do send him an email, uh, include your phone number and a, a couple of lines about what you want to say. And who knows, you could be speaking to the great man himself. Uh, we're asking this morning, uh, as you've heard, are you ashamed of Luton? The photos uh, in the, the papers, I think, are quite shocking. This guy, this, this copper that's in there, he is armed to the teeth. He, he's not messing around. And part of it is, is a show of force, isn't it? It's to be seen on the streets, and we've been, I've been calling for this for quite a while. But it is the contrast. There are two pictures. It is the contrast of him walking past a kiddie's playground uh, and also him walking past... There's a, he's walking past a nine-year-old kid who's eating a packet of Haribo. And you think... <sighs> It, it really is quite a shocking image to see that. Are you ashamed of Luton? It does get a lot of bad press. Most of it, I've discovered through first-hand uh, knowledge, 
is uh, is disproportionate. Luton has got some amazing things happening in it, some great people in it, and uh, it, it is... The bad press is generally unjustified, I think. But after seeing these stories in today's newspapers, are you ashamed of Luton? 08459 455 555. You can also go to facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Now, the HS2 high-speed rail project, which runs through Buckinghamshire, has an estimated £3.3 billion funding gap. That's according to a National Audit Office report. It says the business case for the rail link from London to Birmingham hasn't been adequately explained, and there's a shortfall in the figures, which the government has yet to decide how to fill. Well, the Whitehall Spending Watchdog is calling for more clarity over how the project will benefit regional economic growth. But the government says the report is based on old data. Well, in a moment, I'll be speaking to Tom Crane from the HS2 Action Alliance campaign group. But first of all, let's speak to Rail Minister Simon Burns. Simon, is this report accurate? Has the government got its sums wrong? No, they haven't got their sums wrong. Um, We don't recognise the figure that the um, National Audit Office are using for a so-called black hole. We have carefully costed this project. We have mechanisms in place to make sure that we don't overrun the budget. And as you'd expect, we're in constant um, communication with the Treasury to make sure that it is tightly controlled so there is not a problem. Where I think the problem has arisen with the report is that The National Audit Office have drawn conclusions in May 2013 based on a business case that is 18 months old and in that intervening 18 months there have been significant moves forward in the project which have not been taken into account. Their data is inaccurate, completely wrong. I, I believe it is, in, it is inaccurate in the context of May 2013. So that 3.3 billion shortfall doesn't exist? Everything's on track we and We do fine. not recognise that figure. We do not recognise that figure at all. Do you recognise any shortfall? No, we don't, no, I don't. Because, as I said earlier, we have got... Um, robust mechanisms in place. We are monitoring the situation very carefully to make sure that we don't overrun the projected budget that has been given for building both phases of High Speed 2 and we are in constant um, communications with the Treasury to make sure that we avoid the very problem that the Audit Office is talking about. Cheryl Gillen, the Conservative MP for Chesham and Amersham, says that you haven't included the VAT. Well, the VAT has been included, but as you will appreciate, when it's between two government departments, it is a situation where the money is moving round the system. But we have included VAT um, in the um, calculations and taken it into account. When you say the money's moving around the system, I don't quite understand what that means. Are you saying that you're finding it hard to keep track of the money? No, no, what I am saying is that if you pay VAT, that goes to the Treasury, and the Treasury then gives back money to um, High Speed 2 because this is a government-funded project. That's what I mean by it's going round in the system. We've heard this week that three-quarters of the compensation claims that have been submitted by families affected by this have been rejected. Is that one way of keeping the costs down? No, it certainly is not. What we have brought in is an exceptional hardship scheme to help people who need to sell their houses now um, because of uh, either a family tragedy, a breakdown of marriage, or um, they're having to move because their jobs have taken them elsewhere. And um, 
It is there to give help to people then. And what I would say to anyone who um, is caught in this situation and is having difficulties, they should get in touch with High Speed 2 um, to talk through the problems to seek a solution. It isn't much co- uh, help, though, is it, for those three quarters of the families that have had their claims rejected? Pe- people are being well, trampled over, aren't they? Well, no, they're not being trampled over, but obviously it's inappropriate for me to talk about individual cases well, I'm not or the individual I- reason I'm not or, the individual individual re- or the individual I'm, I appreciate that. I'm not asking about individual as cases. That may be the case. I'm speaking about 75% of the claims that have been rejected. It, 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 people are being walked over, aren't they? No, they're not being walked over at all. Um, that scheme is put in place to help people who find difficulties, and my advice is that they should talk to High Speed 2 Limited, talk through their problems to see if the Exceptional Hardship Scheme is able to assist them. And it all depends on the reasons why they're selling the property as to whether they will qualify for help. Uh, Would you just stay on the line uh, for a second? Because we have uh, Adam, who lives just outside Great Missenden. Uh, Good morning, Adam. Good morning. Adam, you'd like to to make a point to Simon Burns, would you? Well, yes. Uh, I I live just outside Great Missenden, and my house and my neighbour's house is 124 metres from the centre of the line. And my neighbour, who uh, lost their job, they've applied three times and have been turned down three times. And because I'm a wheelchair user and disabled... I can't even afford to apply because even if I got uh, onto that scheme, I would be so far out of pocket because of my disability that I couldn't afford to move. Rail Minister Simon Burns, what would you say to Adam? Well, it would be totally inappropriate for me to discuss individual cases, particularly as I do not have all the facts in front of me. It was only a relatively short clip. But my advice well, to Adam, this Adam's, Adam's here, well, you can talk hang to him, on. he's can live. I finish? Well, you can talk to him, he's live, he's can not I a clip, finish? he's live. My advice is that he goes and talks to High Speed 2 Limited to see if help can be provided I've been um, doing that for three years. of his special circumstances. And Simon, I have Adam... a feeling that... It, hang on, if I, ha- I have a feeling that if this is the gentleman um, whose case was uh, raised on... Um, the Newsnight programme about two weeks ago, um, if he is that gentleman, um, and his case sounds um, familiar to me in that respect, um, then High Speed 2 are more than prepared to talk to him to see if a solution can be made. Adam, are you that gentleman that was on Newsnight? Yes, I am. Yes, he's also one of our listeners. Have you spoken to uh, High Speed 2, Adam? Uh, I've spoken to, they, they've come on previous occasions, but all they've been able to do is just sympathise with my case and say there's nothing they can do. Simon, sorry, have, si- sorry, Simon, what, what did you yes, say? Has he spoken to them since that Newsnight programme? Yes, yes, yes. We now have a further meeting set up uh, where they're going to come and... But we can't actually find out the purpose of the meeting, whether they're going to come and yet again explain that there's nothing they can do because it's a ministerial decision. Simon, did, did, I, did I hear you mutter something under your breath? No, I oh, haven't said a thing. Oh, I thought I, th- I thought I heard you say this is a disgrace. Sorry, apologies if if, uh, no, if, if I mis- misheard that. Uh, Adam, very quickly, uh, in response to, uh, to, to Simon, you're not happy with the situation. What do you do next? Uh, well, we've got to wait to see what HS2 are going to propose. Uh, and then I'm sure we're going to have to carry on the fight. Simon? Yes? 
Yes, it, it, it does sound a little dismissive of people like Adam. We, we hear stories like this all the time doing this kind of show. It does sound a little dismissive. I think the best thing is to wait until the gentleman has had the forthcoming meeting with High Speed 2 Limited to see what um, emanates from that meeting. OK, gentlemen, thank you very much indeed. Adam, thank you. And uh, Simon Burns, Rail Minister. Here's our cricket correspondent, Jonathan Agnew, with a look ahead. I'm afraid I can't, bring, yep. okay. can't bring you that report. This is really going really well. Hang on. No, it's not there. Why? Finally, rugby and Saracens face the South African Barbarians in London tonight with former Springbok captain John Smith leading Saris in his final match. Andy Saul and Joe Maddock will also make their final appearances for the side. Kickoff is at 6.15. Why? I don't know why. It's just not my day. A little bit awkward, that, wasn't it? That, uh, should we pretend that never happened? What? Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Coming up between now and nine o'clock, are you ashamed of Luton and more on house swapping? Uh, but before we do that, just as uh, listening to uh, the last conversation there um, with Simon Burns, the rail minister, was uh, Tom Crane. Tom is from the HS2 Action Group. Good morning, Tom. Morning. What did you think of uh, Mr Burns' performance there? That was a car crash of an interview, I have to say. Um, it, was, it was almost like something out of the thick of it. It was fantastic. Um, Government ministers can't face, when they deal with HS2, speaking to real people about real problems. And, um, you know, it's incredible to me that essentially he seems to say, if you get on Newsnight, um, you'll get fair compensation, but everybody else, um, you're on your own. Yes, we had someone comment uh, on that on Facebook, that, that, that you, the only way you seem to get listened to is if, is if you go on Newsnight, which perhaps does seem a little bit unfair. The National Audit Office report is being dismissed by the government. What, what do you make of it? Well, it's very hard for them to dismiss a body like the NAO. I mean, they are created and they are respected um, on the basis that they look after our money, our tax, our tax money, to make sure it's being spent efficiently. They're a very august body made up of accountants and other kind of dry people, and they have really, in their 56-page report, which is out this morning, demolished the business case for HS2. All the things that we've heard from government ministers for years now about the fact it would create jobs and help the regional economy, it's been proven not to exist. It's, it's basically wrong. Tom, is the action group clutching at straws? Because the government are, are denying this report has any credence whatsoever. Are you really on your last legs? Uh, not at all. We've had our, I would say, our most successful six months since we've been in existence. We're a national group. We've had thousands of new people join up and down the country since stage two was announced. We are three-quarters of the way to a £100,000 total for our next legal case. I mean, to be quite honest with you, this case just keeps getting stronger and stronger, and our movement gets bigger and bigger. What do you really think you can achieve, Tom? Do you you think you can stop the HS2? Um, We think we do. I mean, we think, in all honesty, we've got obviously a very determined government, and particularly a a prime minister with a very bad case of train envy. But much beyond that, there's very, very little support for it. Support is very, very shallow. And really, the more things like uh, today's report, which you just can't dismiss, they are serious people that have set out serious concerns at HS2. Tom Crane, director of the HS2 Action Alliance. Thank you very much. Sorry to keep it so short, but I I thought that uh, conversation with the rail minister was worth pursuing. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. So, pictures in the newspapers this morning, page 7 of the Express, 27 of the Mail, of uh, an armed policeman, and when I say armed, man, is he armed? 
He's got three weapons, a huge machine gun, and he's walking past um, a, a playground in one picture, and then walking past a nine-year-old who's got a packet of Haribo. Um, and we're asking this morning, are you ashamed of Luton? Oh, wait, four five nine four double five five double five is the phone number. Lots of you have been on Facebook as well this morning. Richard says, I wor- worked in Luton up until 99. There was still a hardcore of community spirit, but even then the villains, gangs and extremists were starting to become very evident. 15 years on and nothing has been done to address it. It's not the police's fault either. They're the smallest home office force in the country. And uh, Sharon, uh, Karen, sorry, sorry, says, uh, such a shame, as Luton is mostly full of great people that are a real community and willing to help each other. But the minority are spoiling it for the town. I don't live in Luton now, but I have a lot of good memories of it, and I often go and visit. Well, Jackie Burnett is a councillor in Luton. She represents uh, Limbury Ward. Jackie, are you ashamed of Luton? No, I'm not. Why? I'm not ashamed. No, because I believe it has a lot of community feel it's got a very strong community feel for a very large town it's amazing how people know each other and they really strive to do their best so i am i'm not ashamed of the town at all at all i'm very proud of the work that's gone on by people grassroots organization that actively in their own time doing work to improve the life of others selfishly there are um there have been 16 gun-related incidents this year. Nine shootings, I think. The statistics are pretty poor, aren't they? The statistics are things that happen up and down the country. Yes, there are challenges, but the, 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 the police are doing what is appropriate. I totally agree with councillors Timney's um, interview this morning. They're working appropriately. The residents of Marsh Farm deserve the best police service they can get. But my point is that Luton is, 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 is a community that's really strong, that's working together. We're working together with the points that you have made within the African Caribbean community. There's a partnership form working with local um, councils and the police to address the challenges that are in the town. Well, the challenges are that kids are getting shot. W- yes. what, 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 are, what can people do about that? Well, people, the community, I think if you, if the, the press release yesterday by the police officer said about people coming forward, yeah, and what's happened with the sentencing, it shows that, you know, people coming forward has resulted in an arrest. But Jackie, if there was, people, people are reluctant to come forward because they are worried that they're going to get involved in this gun crime. If there was a serious chance that your kid or your mum or your partner could get shot out of retribution, would you really go forward to the police? Well, I think Councillor Timothy points about being standing together. We are standing together. Would you go, together. To, would you go sorry, to the police? On, can I, can, sorry, can I just Well, if you could answer the question, back. if you could answer the question, yes. Would you go to yes, the police if, if there's a chance one of your family could be shot? I would go to the police if I could make a difference, and I would talk and I'd have a conversation with my children to explain what it is about having So if there was a chance that your kids could be shot, you would go to the police? I would work with the police. That's what we're okay. asking the community to do. Okay. And sorry, Ian, I'm sorry, I, I feel I'm coming forward and I'm making a point. The, the newspapers that have been mentioned, one of them is based in the town. 
Yep. Yes? yes. One of them is actually invested, have chosen to come and invest That's in the, the town. Express, yes. And my question is, what are they doing on corporate responsibility? Most corporate organisations are doing corporate and social responsibility. I would appreciate maybe you could, in asking myself and Councillor Timoney, yes. what are we doing? Yes. What is the Express Well, the Express are doing? reporting what's happening. The, the Express no, are reporting no, the situation. No, hang on, hang on, hang on. No, the report is invested in our town. Right. Our town. Right. Yes, they are opportunity jobs. Most corporate organisations now have a corporate and social responsibility. Hang on a yes? minute. Hang on a minute, Jackie. Just... It's not the Express's responsibility to stop gun crime in Marsh Farm. I'm not, not saying that. No, no, hang that, on, hang on, Ian. No, Ian. I'm asking, yeah, you have, for the last four days, four days, yes, there has been something in crime happens everywhere. That's why I phoned up. Crime happens everywhere. There was something reported in Kempston. Was there not a shooting or a murder? Is it, is it, is it inappropriate? Is, is it, is there getting but it's violent 16, and people should not live there? It's Are 16, people ashamed? It's 16. That is the point. Well, no, the point is, Jackie, with the greatest respect, it's 16 gun crimes in Luton this year, nine shootings, that, which is a significant yes, and the police, number. and the police, no, the police are doing an appropriate response. It's high on their priority, yeah? But making my concern is good and bad happens everywhere. That is why I found that good and bad happens everywhere. People are working together to address the numbers and the statistics. I'm now looking at solving problems and trying to answer the question, why are these young people making poor choices? Yeah. Yep. Jackie, we'll end it there. Jackie Burnett, councillor in Luton, uh, represents Limbury. will put her case uh, very strongly, I thought. Well, jo- Justin Daly has been out this morning. Justin, you, you heard Jackie there. I, I think, has anyone had anything positive to say about Luton this morning? Um, well, I, I put this question to somebody a moment ago. Can you tell me something good about Luton? And they said, um, no. I said, do you think I'm going to find anybody who has got something positive to say about the town? And they said to me, good luck. Um, it's been like that all morning. Here's somebody who's just walked up to the radio car, so What's your name? Ahmed. You're live across Beds, Hearts and Bucks. Please tell me something good about Luton. Um, for personal reasons, I think the, I, I, what I like about Luton is it's multicultural. Anything else apart from that? No, no that, that's what I prefer about Luton. It's, I can find people from all walks of life, from all different backgrounds, different ethnicities, different religion, learn about other people's background as well as showing people my own background, my own religious beliefs. Stuff like that. So you're happy here? Yeah, I'm happy, yeah. I was born here, lived here all my life. It's nice to hear something positive about the town. Thank you very much. Thank you. There you go, joining us live on the programme. So uh, there's one person who had something good to say about Luton. Ian, it's not, been a, uh, it's not been a good morning at all, if I'm being honest with you. I've been out with um, the national newspapers. Uh, we're seeing these images of, of armed police roaming the streets of Luton. I've been asking people if they're ashamed of the town, and this is what they had to say. So you live in Luton. You're seeing the pictures in the national newspapers this morning. Are you ashamed of your town? Yep. I've always been ashamed of Luton, but just recently it's been getting worse. Like, all the shootings and that. Like, there's nothing good here, I don't think, really, anymore. So you're keen to get away, then? Yeah, I'm keen to get away. I okay. won't look back, either. And how does that make you feel when you see those pictures in the newspapers today? Well, I feel good, because there's a sense of protection there, but that shouldn't be there to begin with. So, I'm ashamed of Luton, I really am. Carol, you've lived in Luton for 46 years, all of your life. You're seeing... Uh, these images in the national newspapers today. Uh, are you ashamed of your town? I am. I'm scared to go out at night times. I stay home at night times now. Well, I used to go out in the town and walk around the streets, now I stay home. And when you say to people that you're from Luton, what do they say to you? They just give me a funny look. 
just to stand and stare at me and say, what are you doing? Have you got any plans to leave the town? Hopefully. Maybe in the next three or four years, yeah, hopefully, yeah, I can leave Luton. And how does it make you feel when you see these photographs in national newspapers? We're not talking local papers here. This is for everyone to see, police with machine guns. How does that make you feel as a Lutonian? Let's be feel ashamed of Luton, quite honestly. Luton used to be a nice town when I was younger, but now it seems to be all these gun crimes, knife crimes, robberies and everything chaos. I'm ashamed of it, quite honestly. Greg, very simply, are you ashamed of Luton? I am. I am because I have a little sister who's young and she's um, vulnerable and it's, it's a bit of a shame that people have to walk around and be scared that people are shooting guns and guns getting stabbed and, you know, it's, it's stupid, you know. You think you're going to be safe where you live and you're not even safe in your own house anymore, you know. It's, this picture is from the Daily Express, it's in other papers as well. When you're seeing police in your town with machine guns, how does that make you feel? Well, it just... They don't really not feel safe at all, you know. Well, if police have to walk around with machine guns, and obviously, what's the point? I wouldn't want to live out. I'm, I'm, my girlfriend lives in Hatfield, and I spend half my life up there now, just for the pure sake. That it's stupid. It's disgusting, you know. I just want to get out of losing. Yeah, that's what I hate it. Yeah, definitely. I hate it. Well, that was Justin Dealey speaking to people on the streets of Luton. And after nine o'clock, JVS is asking, is Luton as scary as it's made out to be? Oh, wait, 459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give me a call. Uh, it's also the same number if you want to call JVS, who starts at nine o'clock uh, this morning. And don't forget, you can email me. If there's a story that uh, you want to have a say on, or a story that you think we should be doing that we're not, and it can be a huge story that affects your county, or a tiny little one that affects just your bedroom, uh, uh, send me an email, we'll have a look at it, if we think it's worth doing. Um, then we'll get back in touch. Ian.lee at bbc.co.uk. I am i-n-dot-l-double-e at bbc.co.uk and uh, we've, we've been getting quite a few stories this way recently and it's just kind of a nice way for you to get involved as well and have your say and don't forget at any point whether we're on air or off you can also pop onto the facebook page and uh, and comment on this show and other shows uh, that are happening on bbc three counties radio go to facebook.com forward slash bbc three cr that's facebook.com forward slash bbc three cr now the number of people in luton looking to downsize their home has doubled since the new bedroom tax was introduced in april the borough council say they now have over 200 people on the register to get a smaller home compared with around 100 at christmas they're now running mutual exchange days to encourage swaps with people looking for a larger house. One such person is Neil Johnson from Putnam, who attended a similar event at the Corn Exchange in Bedford last month. Uh, Neil, why are you looking to move homes? Uh, basically just to upgrade, get something a bit bigger. So, so w- what's the size of your family? Uh, it's just, I'm single. Oh, so what property are you in at the moment? Uh, it's a one-bedroom flat, down floor. And you want to get somewhere that's, what, got two bedrooms? Um, not necessarily two bedrooms, just one bedroom cluster home, same, just a bit larger and nicer. Why do you need a bigger home if if you're a single man, Neil? Uh, just the most I've got is not big enough, and it hasn't got a separate, the bedroom and living room is all in one, so it's more like a uh, two bedroom. How useful did you find the meeting? Was it any good? Yes, it was good, yeah. uh, Neil, is, is your mouth near the telephone? It's a little bit muffled. It's probably a bad line. Uh, it could, could probably be a, a, a bad line. Did you have any success? Um, I haven't had nothing back from the uh, people at the meeting at all whatsoever. 
Well, Neil, listen, keep us uh, informed. We'll let you go because the line isn't fantastic there, but, uh, but thank you very much uh, uh, for that. We have been asking this morning if uh, should people be forced to um, downsize? And are they selfish if they don't? Sharon has uh, texted in, 81333, starting her text 3CR. Ian, it's crazy that the people causing the blocking of family-sized homes, mostly the single pensioner living in a three-bedroom home, are exempt from the bedroom tax. How ridiculous is that? Uh, Rob says, I don't understand what the problem is with this so-called bedroom tax. I've been unemployed three times, 1984, 94 and 99. I was always told I'd only get benefit for a one-bedroom property. I had to move twice. So I'm assuming that sometime between 2000 to 13 that this policy was changed. And Nick says, downsizing okay if there's sufficient appropriate accommodation available to move people into. Housing people in a block of flats that was due to be demolished is little more than treating people like cattle. Well, the other question we've been asking this morning is, are you ashamed of Luton? Uh, Colin's in Luton. Colin, are you ashamed of Luton? No, I'm not. Uh, Not at all. There is a situation in Luton, a bad situation, which the police will get control of. But if guys like you and radio presenters and newspapers stop hyping it all up and and sensationalise it and getting all worked up over it, let the police do their job, for God's sake. Just stop it and make him, making uh, hype-up programmes over it. What, what have we done... Uh, could I have an example, Colin, of, of what hype we've employed today? Well, you're getting all excited over it and, and, and doing interviews about people who were born here and they hate it and want to move, that sort of thing. There have been serious problems in other places in this yeah. country and the police have got control of it. Let the police get control of this, because they will do. Are you saying we shouldn't report the news, then? No, I'm not. Don't get so excited over it. You know, I mean, the Daily Express normally have big headlines on the front page with regard to health scares. Uh, They're they're loving this one. In what way have have I, or this show this morning, been excited? uh, Well, you are getting excited, though. Let me just finish the thing. Always have we been excited and not just been reporting the story and asking people for their opinions. Well, you are reporting it. That's fine. Thank you. 10 out of 10 for reporting it. Thank you. I appreciate that. But making it... so excitable. That's what you're doing. Colin, I, listen to, I listen to your voice, and, yes. and it's all excitement. Yes. No. I, I, again, c- could you give me a specific example? Because I, I do think you're wrong on that. Well, if you think you're wrong, that's that's fair enough. You, you, you're entitled to your own opinion. Thank you. But I think it's the media um, who are making this a, a lot worse. Okay than it can be. What, what, have we said that's, what have we said that's excitement? We're reporting the fact that in two of the newspapers there is a picture of a guy with a policeman with uh, what I think are three guns walking past a playground and walking past a nine-year-old boy who's got a packet of sweets. That's a fact. We're reporting the fact that um, a gentleman got sentenced to 24 years uh, yesterday. He deserved his 24 years. Okay, but we've, we've reported that fact. That's uh, fine. We've reported what the judge said. We've asked yes. that the police, that we've mentioned the police are still seeking witnesses to the murder of, of Paul Foster and the shooting of that yeah, 16 year old lad. We spoke to detective, uh, we spoke to uh, um, uh, someone from Bedfordshire Police. I'm just confused as, as to where the, the excitement has come, Colin. Well, publishing photographs and talking about photographs of a policeman multi armed walking past kids' play, playground, mm. those pictures were almost posed for, weren't they? And, uh, and, and these photographers actually took that picture because they were in the right place at the or the that's, wrong place that's at the photo, right time. That's photojournalism for you? I know, and it's wrong. That's what excites people and exacerbates the situation. Colin, we're going to end it there. Thank you very much indeed. No doubt you'll take me uh, fading you down as uh, another sign of my excitement and uh, my pro uh, whatever this uh, line is. Uh, let's go to Akbar in Luton. Uh, good morning, Ian. 
Good morning, Akbar. Um, your interview with the uh, chief constable was uh, a very excellent example of good journalism. Thank you, Akbar. Are you concerned about the problems in Luton? I am. I am deeply concerned, and I think Luton is in grip of uh, fear. And uh, I think the the civic authorities and the police should be taking steps to uh, to reassure people by engaging with people and with the communities. Well, Colin, uh, who we just spoke to, thinks that we are getting excited about the story, and perhaps we should ease off reporting it. What do you think, as a Luton uh, no, resident? No, 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 no. Um, you are you are rightly highlighting an issue. Um, you are you are. Uh, I, I haven't heard the other gentleman's comment comments, but uh, uh, it's it's a real situation, and uh, I think both the community and the institutions need to wake up to this grave situation and deal with it. Um, uh, and uh, and stop. Uh, I, I think there lies a bigger responsibility with the council. Um, uh, they should stop promoting events uh, um, uh, at the expense of the, the ratepayer and the taxpayer, such as uh, Carnival. Because uh, if this car- carnival uh, uh, going to take place um, uh, as normal uh, in next few weeks, then Luton will be taken over for for 24 hours uh, by by gangs from outside outside Luton. Akbar, we have to uh, just because I want to squeeze uh, Ray in. Thank you for that, Akbar. Ray, you're in Marsh Farm. Do you? Yeah, what do you think about Luton? Yeah, I'm um, quickly. I'll be quickly. I lived on Marsh Farm since 1975. I'm absolutely fed up with the press and and you and JVS running Marsh Farm down. Every scenario JVS had on on Monday was about Marsh Farm. You don't want people on the radio if they're pro-Marsh Farm. You only want people who are anti-Marsh Farm. No, that's not true in the slightest, Just let me go on. Just let me go on. You've made an accusation that's not true, but carry on. Right, I just want to go on about that lady. You've got got 20 seconds, Ray, because we're running out of time. I just want to go on about that lady at the Pearly Centre now. You've got 10 seconds That lady was homeless in London. Now she's got a home. Thousands and thousands of pounds are spent on those flats, refurbishing them. They've got a fridge in. They've all got a washing machine. Uh, If the stairs are dirty... Why don't okay. you go out and clean them? Right, we've got to uh, um, um, uh, finish it there. Thank you very much for that. That's it for me today. I'll be back tomorrow at six. We'll be joined by Nanny Eileen and some live music. Until tomorrow, ta-ta. On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian.